from the depths of nowhere. Two guys sitting around talking about bullshit. It is Sports and Spirits with Nathan and Max. Good luck. You can live in the same town your whole life. You know, you went to the same school and, uh, you know, whatever. And you're, you're still living relative to the same town. I live in a small town, but it's relative to the town I, I went to school with. And, you know, I mean, I've been out of school a long time. I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s. So uh, what, what's funny is I don't run into anybody I went to school with. Nobody. Yeah. But when we went to Italy, what, four or five years ago, you know, we're sitting there going through the Vatican. And I'm sitting there, and we're looking up at it, admiring the Vatican, all the art on the ceiling and yep. stuff. And, and you realize one of the people you went to school so with goes, painted that. No. Somebody oh. goes, Max? <laughs> and I kind of look over. And <laughs> it's a guy I went to high school with. On vacation or On lives vacation there? in Italy. And I probably ain't seen this dude in 30 years. <laughs> I don't know how he recognized me. You yeah, because I don't look the same. I mean, I've got you know, I'm all gray hair now and all that, but it's just amazing to me. I can sit there and go somewhere, yeah, or be in the same town. I won't run into anybody I went to school with. Yeah, but yet I go to Italy and I run into somebody I went to school with. See, and I've done that. I've done that at a couple of places. I remember going to a dirt track race up in Kansas, and. And it was one of those things where we were visiting relatives. Well, when we visit our relatives, typically we stay there a week or so, like my in-laws and stuff. But I'm one of these, I like historical things and stuff like that. So I, I go out and venture out while, right. you know, my wife's visiting her, her relatives and stuff like that. Well, I'll go out with the kids and we'll venture out. Well, it just so happened one, one night of going out one Saturday night, there was a local dirt, tra- or dirt track race up in Kansas, which wasn't too far from Oklahoma where we were at. And it was only like an hour, hour and a half drive. So I went up there to check out these, this dirt track race, sprint car race. And I'm sitting up in the stands and I'm sitting next to another guy there. And for 30 or 40 minutes, you know, we're sitting there, we're, you know, we didn't, not even having small talk. Right. And then sitting there and then as the race kind of went on and then all of a sudden you start seeing things that happen in the races and stuff, you start making small talk with each other. And then we're sitting there looking at each other, and we both go, you look familiar. And he's like, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. You look familiar, too. And he's like, he goes, are you from Oklahoma? I was like, no, my in-laws live there. He's like, well, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Texas. He goes, really? He goes, where? I'm like, well, Dallas area. And he's like, really? He's like, did you go to like a Garland High School? I'm like, yeah. And then it just dawned on me. I'm like, and I, I'm like, Jason? Yeah. And he's like, Max? And it's like, you know, it just, you know, <laughs> right. two guys that were best friends in middle yeah. school and early high school. And then, you know, 25, 30 years later, we're sitting next to each other at a, at a dirt track hillbilly race, you know? Right. And uh, <laughs> it just, it's just crazy, you know? And it, like I said, but yet I can, I can be in the same town and I can't recall three times be living in the same town for the past 30 years of people I knew or grew up with. Yeah. It's, you, I, just, you just never see them. I tell my daughters all the time. Wait, because 
something will happen in school or something. They'll get really upset, you know, because they're like, well, so-and-so is mad at me or so-and-so is upset with me and my life's over. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I just can't, I can't have this person mad at me. I can't have them upset with me. And I'm like, honey, what you don't understand is that the majority of these people that you see in school, you'll have nothing to do with once you graduate. I'm like, yeah, you'll have like your base friends that you keep up with, you're still friends with. I mean, I do. I've still got my base group of guys that I keep up with. We're still all buddies. But for the most part, most people that you you go to school with, you have nothing to do with once you're out. Like you have nothing. I mean, other than maybe now because you got social media, you can tell what they're doing. But for the yeah. most part, I had no idea what anybody was doing. You know, yeah. and then all of a sudden you'll see them somewhere and you're like, oh, hey, you know, what's up? You right. know, and even then, a lot of times, like, even people I wasn't even cool with or people I wasn't friends with, you still recognize one another, one another and you're like, hey, did you go to this school? And they're like, yeah. It's like, well, you know, hey, so did I. You know, yeah. I was like, what year you graduated? Like, damn, you know what? I think we went to school together. Yeah. You know, and then you start talking and stuff. Or like, hell, my wife. We when we started talking, I had no idea we ever went to school together. Even though I know who she is, she just looked different. So I had no yeah. idea who she was. And she's like, Yeah, you were different in school. And I was like, In school? Like, I didn't know you in school. I was like, I went to I went to Red Oak. I didn't go to school with you. And she's like, Yeah, we graduated together. And as she starts talking, I'm like, Oh damn, I did go to school with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's crazy how that happens. But see, I'm still I'm still young enough to where if I go to my hometown and go to like Walmart or, you know, a grocery store or something like that, I'm going to see somebody I know, yeah. you know, now granted we've had a lot of kids and people die and things like that from my age group. But for the most part, I'll still see somebody I know if I'm wandering around town. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't met anybody like on vacation or anything yet, but heck, I don't, I don't know. It could be because we're all so young that, People still broke. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who's made what of themselves, to tell you the honest truth. But Yeah, no, I, I remember uh being in high school, I mean, I was I got into the drama and was I did acting in high school and uh uh with it and then there was another guy that did acting that actually made a career out of it. You know, he's he's you know, he does He's been on certain shows and stuff, and he does a lot of the Hallmark movies and stuff. But, you know, uh, but yeah, I remember both of us getting picked the same time in high school and right. going around doing commercials and getting vet parts and stuff like that, trying to make it as an actor. Uh, but, you know, and it took off for him. It didn't take off for me. Uh, and uh, Must have been looking for skill, not looks. No, they were looking for looks, not skill. Oh. He's definitely better looking. So, I mean, uh, Greg Vaughn, I mean, uh, that's who, uh, you know, I went to school with. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, and he's, he's made a career out of it. Uh, but, yeah, it's funny uh, just, you know, how, how things come around that way, you know. Speaking of coming around, have you heard the talks of Zeke and who he's planning on trying to go with? And the biggest one I have a problem with is – the Philadelphia Eagle rumor that's coming out, which, granted, could just be a rumor, but because uh, I think a couple of teams recently has come out and said, no, we're we're not talking to him at the moment. But the rumor that he is actually interested in going to the Eagles, what would you would that piss you off if he signed with the Eagles, or is it just kind of like, well, he's a free agent, do whatever you want to do? 
No, it doesn't make me mad. I mean, you know, he's got a right to go play whichever team. I guess we'll let him take go. Take on his so, services and pay yeah. for it. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, good luck to him. Uh, he's not going – I just don't think he's got enough left to be a featured back anymore. Right. I think he's going to have to be a role player. Um, and, you know, he could probably do that to a certain extent and maybe prolong his career. But I don't think any team's going to look at him and go, okay, we're going to load up and run with you 20 maybe times be like a game. Maybe be like a dedicated short yardage back or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe short yardage or just be – you know, he may even be the starter for a team or two, and but be or spelled spe- more. Especially if he's in the free agent pool or something yeah. and somebody goes down. I mean, it is Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. You know, you never know. You know, you get him, he might do something for one game or well, maybe two. I don't buy the fact that – the fact that now he's he's been released and all of a sudden now some of the media attention is they're trying to make him out to be all of a sudden he's a Hall of Famer again. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't buy that. I think That's the guy be. hit a brick wall and yeah. it happens to most uh, – it, it eventually happens to all well, running backs. It especially happens to running backs that run in his play style. Yeah. The rough the, neck, between the looking tackles. for contact, those kind of running backs, they never last. Yeah, well, and I think – I, you know, you know, thirty years ago, in you know the when you had one main back through the eighties and nineties, yeah, uh, you know, people rode that horse, so oh, yeah. to speak. But what happened is they found out that they, you know, running backs wear out fast. Yep. And you know, all it takes is one bad knee injury or whatever. And it's hard to want to lock a lot of money up with these guys. And then they just take a bad hit or whatever, or they just hit that brick wall like I think Elliot did. And they just can't be productive anymore. And, I, you know, yeah, he at first was, – He was a drastic change. I mean, he went from being productive one year to the next year just nothing. I mean, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say nothing, but I would back, say he, yeah. he made a significant drop yeah, the next it, year, I and mean, then it was just downhill from there. And, and don't get me wrong, I love the guy. I love him as a running back I, and he, he did what he did here. for the Cowboys. But, you know – you have to eventually say something, you know what no, I mean? No, it just, you know, the productivity wasn't there. Nobody's going to give him 17 or whatever he was making. I think he was making to, 15 or 16, wasn't to, it? To be that. He's going to find out he's going to be getting the 2 to $4 million, whatever these running backs are getting. Um, yeah. And the teams are showing in the last 10 years, the, the championship teams or the teams that are competing for Super Bowls, they're most of them with, you know, even – even with uh, Tennessee's running back. Uh, Henry. Henry, Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, it's even showing that he, you know, he's starting to get injured. Yeah. And, you know, how long are you going to go? He had a weird career. He started off to where slow. people thought well, he was a bust. Yeah, and then well, one they were utilizing him. And then they put him out there. And then he One year they just off. finally said, yeah, all right, we're just going to run year. and run and run. And he blew up. Yeah, but I think teams are starting to realize running back by committee is so much better. Yeah, and it prolongs your running back group yeah. because they all can they all can kind of share and, the share the hit and the workload. And I think that's that's not a new concept by any means. Run back by committee. No, you know Parcells did that in the '80s with his running backs. He always had two or three running backs, but he always had the scat back, the third down back type. And then he had the big 
bulldozer, the the Otis yeah. Anderson, yeah. the physical bruiser. Put a man on short yardage. You know, yeah, or you know, they they took the 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 brunt of the of the the weight, but then they would put in somebody like Dave Maggot or Joe well, Morris like, at, that would come in and spell them, and then that would be a whole different dimension. And then they yeah. would have that third down back that would be more of a pass catcher. And you know, and well, see, it, even even like uh, on like Madden, you know how me and you yeah. we used to we used to build teams. We wouldn't even play the games. We just build teams and see how many times they can go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Or go to the Pro Bowl or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that's how I always built my team. I had the feature back, which was the decently sized but kind of most balanced running back. Then had the the third down running back that was kind of the fast scat back that could come out of the backfield. Then have my short yardage back. I would always build yeah. them that way. Yeah. You know, so like you said, and that was even before it became popular of having two running backs as your main, you know, your main uh, backfield. You know, now well, every team's that way. Yeah. So like when the uh, Miami Dolphins when they went undefeated, uh, they had three running backs, and all three of them had different styles. You know, Zonka was the go ahead. Uh, the go-ahead runner. Jim Kick was the guy that kind of was in between. And then Mercury Morris was the speedster. And, you know, they mowed, you know, and, and you know, three yards in a cloud of dust concept. Yeah. Uh, but Pretty much whatever defense you show yeah. is who you're about and, to get. You know, uh, Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris of the Steelers, they had two running backs. Dallas in the 70s, Robert Newhouse and Tony Dorsett. Yeah. Or, you know, Dwayne Thomas or, or whatever. Uh, you know, it – the one feature back concept, I don't think, and to me, it, it, there, was a, there was a time that the rushing, the leading rusher of the league never went to a, won a Super Bowl, and that was broken by Emmitt Smith, and they did it twice. Yeah. And, but other than that, then everybody started trying to load up, trying to go that way, and it wasn't. There was a bunch of know, good running backs out there. Work, it did work for uh, Denver, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, and that got Elway into the Super Bowl with. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the running back. I don't know why he blew his knee oh, out. Terrell um, Davis, huh? Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. Thank you. Uh, you know, and it worked for Baltimore too. They had Jamal Lewis. Yeah, and, Jamal uh, Lewis. But then they, you know, in in but. I think we're seeing enough evidence to show that you know three to four running backs yeah. is not going to be uncommon. And I've been, I think Kansas City kind of showed years. it. Kansas City kind of showed it this year. Kansas City, Philadelphia, both yeah. had yeah, running Philadelphia backs. Philadelphia had about five running backs. You know, if and you count their San Francisco's been doing it yeah. for several years. And you know Dallas. I mean, San Francisco has become kind of the juggernaut they are, and were able to overcome that quarterback stuff yeah. because they were a run-heavy, strong defense yeah. team. And Dallas, you know, the last two years with Elliott and uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah. And then they gave Pollard more carries, but not more than Zeke. But, it, you know, but he outperformed Zeke last yeah. year. And I think it just goes to show that sometimes a fresher body. Yeah. A fresher leg. Change of pace. Change of pace can make a world of difference sometimes. Yeah. And I won't and be I surprised. And I think even, even, you know, even the linemen needed that. Yeah, you know, just think, something different. Yeah, I think sometimes that, or it's just, you know, we talk about it, and things have changed so much in the NFL that the game is now more predicated with the athlete and what they're capable of doing than it was, say, like Vince Lombardi back in the day. It was just such a physical approach 
that they practiced to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. They were hurt going into games. <clears throat> that you know, those kind of things that 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 wrote just going over the same play, the, the sweet play over and over, running it a yeah. hundred times in practice every day. You know, they got ten plays and they run the same plays in practice every day. And it was all about execution, but it was also about the physicality. Right. I don't, you know, not to take anything away from Vince Lombardi. That's the era he was in. That's where the game was. Like I've said before, you can't compare errors. What yep. you can see is how the errors progressed to where Vince Lombardi wouldn't get away with that today. Right. There's no way. The physicality. And that's he would what's have happened. to adapt. Now we're seeing more and more evidence in the last 15 years, teams are practicing less because the players are fresher longer. Yep. They're, they're quicker longer. Those kind of things, because the, the the season is such a grind. Now, what has taken its toll on that? I don't think teams tackle as well mm-hmm. as they used to, because they don't practice that as often under. Well, for full, the most part, they don't have speed. to. They don't have to worry about it. You know, because it's typically going to be a wide receiver you're dealing with anyway. It's not going to be a running back or a well, answer aren't too, going to but deal you do with see a fullback. A lot of tackles that are broken tackles that should be the fundamentals. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I do see. The other thing I do see nowadays, because teams don't take these preseason games seriously like they claim they do. Yep. And to me, it's like, you know, let, let's just get it over with. Let's go to 18-game seasons and have two preseasons, and that's just for the new guys that come in. Forget the veterans, because that's essentially, you know, I mean, you I think they've proven they don't, practice. They don't need to do preseason. They, you know, well – there's, there's plenty, you know, college doesn't do preseason. High school doesn't do preseason. And here, here's the thing that I, I look at, too. And well, what we're school, seeing is these teams in the last 10 or 12 years, I've noticed when they come and start their first game of the season, it takes them four or five weeks to get in shape anyways. Yeah. They they look sluggish. Mm-hmm. They're in they're out of shape because they're not in football playing shape. Yeah, now, I mean, back how, in the, how many years have 60s? we seen the Cowboys come yeah. in and the first game, you're like, man, they look out of sync. And then yeah. the second game, it takes them almost till about month, third quarter about and they slowly start coming back. Yeah. And then, like you said, about a month later, they're they, hitting they on all cylinders. They start finding their stride. They're, they're getting, you know, yeah. they're getting physical. That's why I, I always tell people in shape. In the beginning of the year, you can't trust those records. It's no. got to be at least a month in where that team's finally kind of gelled, figured it out, yeah. and then here they go. Yeah, and like I said, old school when they played six and seven preseason games and they took them seriously, you know, those guys were in shape by the time the first game came around. Right. You know, that that was kind of the, you know, but it's, it's a different time. It's a different era. So be it. I, I mean, it. but I just think we're seeing a turn to where teams running back by committee is going to be the norm. I don't think, you know, loading up on one guy and expecting him to carry the ball 20 to 25 times a game. Yeah. I just don't think we're going to see that that much anymore. Uh, and I think the other thing would be, and I think it would benefit a lot of these teams, is having two quarterbacks where one is a running quarterback and one is the pocket passer to where when you get down into the red zone – yeah. And you're first and goal. You're probably better off putting the running. I honestly in. don't think it's a far fetched thing to I don't, say I don't that think, we're going to be running close, into two I think quarterback we're close teams. To seeing that. I think we're close to seeing that with because a lot of these the teams. running quarterback has become so predominant now in the NFL. Just to get you down there, 
or to do, just do some gadget play or something to that effect, I wouldn't see. I could see teams having two well, top quarterbacks for their team. I think teams because there's only so many Tom Brady's, there's only so many Aaron Rodgers. That if you don't have that, what's your next alternative? You got to be creative. Well, I mean, look and, at and, it now. And, you know, yeah. and like, like Lamar Jackson. As much as Baltimore's trying to figure this out with what's going on with him, you know, I think there may be somebody out there that can push him to the next echelon. Yeah. But I don't, you know, what I'm seeing though is I still think because this is such a passing league. And because there's so much more speed out there, yeah. I think it's going to be harder for a, just a purely running quarterback that wants to throw to offset the defense. It's going to be a struggle for him. Yeah, and that that's really the issue with him is, you know, he throws to run. You know, he throws the defense just to open up his running lanes. Yeah. Know, he, he's not – his main game is not to chunk the ball – 400, 500 yards a game. Now, no, granted, I, game. he has thrown it for three to 400 yards a game, but that was out of necessity, and they were gearing up to stop his run. So when they're all out going to stop his run, he's throwing it. Well, that's but not that's his not his game. He's yeah. not looking to do that. He's looking to run first, throw second. Granted, that's what he should do because he's an amazing runner. But – I think it, it makes it harder on other teams because they don't know what to do with it. You know, and it's well, kind of like, well, if, you know, is this guy worth all this money or is he going to get hurt this next year because of his play style? That's a yeah, big I, investment. I think, that That's like buying a brand-new car and thinking, okay, yes, I bought it, but I've got this car for six years and there's a high chance that it breaks down next year. And now I'm on the hook paying it off. And I can't even drive it. Well, I think uh, the guaranteed money thing, I think he's going to struggle getting that. Uh, well, so recently you know, and, he's and come just, out and said that uh, the guaranteed money is not is off the table. That's yeah. not what's keeping him there. And I think yeah. what it is is he's, he's slowly realizing that he's maybe overvalued himself a little bit. And, yes, he's going to make he's going to make a lot of money. But yeah, I he think will. he's overvalued himself to where he's he's wanting to get paid like the number one quarterback in the league, and that's just not going to happen. Well, I think that goes hand in hand with like we're saying the physicality. He's always yeah. going to be one hit away. Yep. And that, that that you can't. The problem is you can't buy an insurance policy on that. Yep. And and you also can't stop other teams, even though it's against the rules. You cannot stop other teams from targeting that guy because no. if I can take him out, how are you going to prove it? Yeah, I, if I can take him out, we just stopped your whole team for the and season. At worst, it's a fine and a penalty. So and you see, it. you see what happens when he goes out. The team struggles. Now, granted, well, they started yeah. they started finding their gel at the end of the year with uh, was it Huntley? Is that Huntley, his last yeah. name? Mm-hmm. Now he's a throwing quarterback. Yeah, he's not so much. So I think or, what yeah, it was so is they it took them a little bit of adjusting because their offense geared toward running. And when he, yeah, when he came in, they had to start throwing. Yeah. And so it took them a little bit, but they started actually looking pretty good. Well, I and, mean, not not as good. Yeah. But they looked good enough to where I would I would I would consider, okay, is this guy worth paying or should we try and trade him somewhere? Well, you know, so it came out this week that he's basically said he's done with Baltimore. Yeah, I heard that. And uh, so he wants well, out. No, that's true or not, I don't know. These players, you know, it gets emotional. We've talked about this. Not having an agent, these things can get emotional. Uh, but then now he's got somebody 
who's not a part of his camp spreading rumors about him, saying he's done with Baltimore, he wants to go to this place, he wants to go to that place, he doesn't care about this money, things like that. He's got someone else now out there doing that. Yeah, Instead of I having there's his a team. couple of teams that I think, like you know, like we said, you bring him in, you're probably going to win at least I mean, nine or win. ten games. I mean, he easily look at his record. He yeah. wins games. He wins games. The problem well, is once the, you get in the once you get in the playoffs, you can't be a one-sided team. Yeah, you, you know, you get exposed, and that's the problem. That's what's happened to him every yeah, year. Every year, he's, he's. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's only won one playoff game. Yeah. And so, well, what happens is they get behind and they can't come back. Right. Because you can't come back with a run-style offense. You get behind two touchdowns, it's going to be hard to win if no, all you're doing you is running. you your way back into these games now. Um, but I've seen where and – and I've said it before when it first came out when they did the deal, the tag on him. I said it, he's probably – you know, it told me that Baltimore just – as good as a franchise they are. Yeah, considered uh, one of the best, right? Yeah, I would say. I would say they're definitely in the in the the <clears throat> or best the ran, top third say that. Uh, organizations that try to compete, try to win consistently. I don't think they're trying to milk it, uh, milk it in. Uh, but I do think they're always trying to compete. Um, but I really think they're they're scratching their head trying to figure out what do we do. We we just we don't know what to do from here. Yeah, and I think they're leaving that door open that maybe somebody will take him, and they can just start all over. And yeah. if they get two, two first, first round, round picks, they'll help you do that. Yeah, and that's what the tag does. So they basically next year we talked right. Next year is supposed to be pretty good with quarterbacks, right? Well, there's there's always a couple of kids coming out, but then it's just like any other year. Yeah. Once you get closer to the draft, all of a sudden the true thing yeah. comes out. These are rookies. These yeah. aren't these aren't Hall of Fame. Look at Lawrence. Yeah. He was he was uh the next Tom Brady. Yeah, the you know the, the you know we the media tends to overhype yeah. these yeah. guys coming out, and they're already doing it this week. Now they're starting to tap the brakes a little bit because now the you know the size of some of these quarterbacks, the Alabama kid, uh, you know, uh, coming out that you know now his size is starting to play a factor. Well, yep. he's been the same size for the last four years. Yeah. Now why is it playing a factor? It's yeah, you it, know that uh, size thing is such an age old argument. It's stupid. You know well but, in. Uh, but to wrap up with Lamar Jackson, yeah. What if you were Baltimore? What would you do? Would you let him go if you well, got an offer? If if I felt like I think the problem is, and and I got in a conversation with somebody on the phone about this. Because it, it is an interesting take to have that much ability. Now, the problem is if Lamar Jackson played probably 20 years ago, you could probably get away with running the ball like this yep. and your defense can control it. If he played for the Baltimore of uh, Two, 20, 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. With Ray Lewis and Ed oh, Reed yeah. and all those guys. Because that defense would be able to bail him that, out. That, if made the him defense stink. could keep the game close, and he could – He could blow it open. But defenses aren't doing that anymore. They defenses can't. Defenses are, 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 are <laughs> almost a formality to yeah. a certain extent. They're, you know, I They're a roadblock. There are no shutdown yeah. defenses. They're in a roadblock as your offense you know, is scoring. You can't score 30 and be called a shutdown defense. Nope. Sorry, that's not. You know, now, there are some good defenses, but oh, yeah. they're, they're, I, I just don't think we've got those kind of defenses out there, and we haven't seen that for a while. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think it's interesting. If I was Baltimore – um, 
I think what, what I would have to do is look at, you know, maybe just take the bite the bullet and say, you know what, we're just going to ride this out. See what happens. See what happens and we can't do it until we just can't do it anymore. You think he um, plays under that tag? Or he's got his feelings hurt so much? Oh, he's going to so have much. to because he's never earned that kind of money before to begin with. $32 million is a lot of money Oof. to be throwing away. Yeah. Because you, you know, can do it he, one he year. You can do it one year and then get your big contract. Yeah, I, you know, and that's the. I only mean, hell, thing Kirk he Cousins made on. a career out of it. Yeah, so I mean, he—that's one thing he could bank on—is maybe give it one more year and he might get a big bank contract. on himself. Right, he's going to have to bank on himself, but you know, Baltimore, unless they get two first-round draft picks, they're probably not going to get one of these quarterbacks. But there again, they might. I'm never. Year. I'm never high on quarterbacks coming out of college because there's too much the game is the game that's changed for yeah. for these guys to adjust to right off. And you know we've had we've seen success with these young quarterbacks these last five or six years. I get that you know where these guys are getting into the Super Bowl in their second year in or yep. showing something by their second third year, and that's that's faster than what we're used to. Usually it's about the four or five year mark. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, they're definitely but, moving quicker. Yeah, um, but I still think that's also rarefied air when you're dealing. I don't think you're going – you can't expect that with every quarterback that comes out. Yeah. Um, because then you'll get your Dak Prescott, you'll get your Brock Purdy's to yeah. where they're ready to go right now. Well, it's like I said before, if we're so quick to cut ties with some of these starting quarterbacks and people want to cut ties before they're 30, yeah, guess what? That, that, yeah. Peyton Manning's being released. He didn't win his first one until he was 30. Yep. So, it, it just sometimes it just takes Yeah, and his first few years were god-awful. Yeah. But that's because well, he had a shit team. They weren't – well, actually, they weren't god-awful. It just His first year never, was pretty yeah, bad. His first year was terrible, but he had to learn. But, but he they, also was, what, the number one quarterback yeah, coming out? Yeah, he was the number one pick, but it took him – they would get to the playoffs every year and lose, be one and yep. done. They couldn't beat anybody And that was his career, though. And then all of a sudden they finally won one, and and then it was – he was starting to have that same and rotation then he, like – Then he met like, Tom Brady. Well, like Tom Brady. It was either him or Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And, and it was and Tom so, Brady. <laughs> that, but that's the way the league is anyways. There's only a handful of these guys that yeah, are going to a Super What Bowl. was it we were talking about? I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just us talking, but there was, what, four or five quarterbacks in the past decade that's been to every Super Bowl? Maybe four, right? It was Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger. Oh, that represented the AFC. Yeah. So it was it – was, Mahomes, Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, uh, Joe Joe Burrow. I think actually before Joe Burrow represented, I think that's when that stat came out. So for like the last twenty years, the AFC was represented like by four quarterbacks yeah. or five quarterbacks. It was the same I know rotation. Roethlisberger was on over there. Over and over. Brady again. was in there. Manning was in there. Mahomes was in there. And then I think somebody else might have been, but it was like for the last twenty well, years, past twenty the had NFC to be only uh, had five had different to be quarterbacks because he went to the Super Bowl. It, yeah, it might have been. I, it, it was just like that. That is odd. To Which think he about was he but was the course, outlier. Brady represented a hundred of, of those damn, damn near all of them. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you kind of I mean, hell. He went. The he went to fifty Super Bowls, but so we see uh, this last week. The news came out. Um, Dallas 
made another trade. Brandon Cooks. Yep, they traded the other compensatory pick, a fifth round pick yep. for Brandon Cooks to the Houston Texans to bring in a guy that has top speed, not stretch the defense. And we we talked about, you know, Dallas needs to go get this number two receiver. Yeah. Now, and we talked about possibly would we give up a number one? Would we give it this? Yeah, we were talking high draft picks. Yeah, high draft picks maybe, you know. Uh, if you remember, uh, they – DeAndre Hopkins maybe happened to give up yeah, a second. because he, he was a – he's second, right, is what they want for him. I think that's what the rumor was. Yeah. But for them to only have to give up a fifth – yeah, that's this, this that's is, robbery. This is Madden trading going yeah. on. Yeah, Dallas they, they changed they changed fifths. his stats to to get him. Remember yeah. when we used well, to change Brady's him, stats and yeah. turn him into a yeah, kicker and then go kicker, and, then trade, and then trade a seventh round pick to yeah. get him? Yeah. Well same thing. But this is the the, the the odd thing I'm seeing is Dallas trades two compensatory fifth round picks and upgrades both positions yep. to do it. And it's taken That's advantage. That's a valuable fifth-round pick, I guess. Two, but you wouldn't have found those guys in the fifth round. Exactly. So, uh, Dallas, by doing this, you know, they haven't signed any other free agents of yep. significance other than the guys they had, which I get that. And he's not he's not injury-prone, so no, we don't have to worry about that. he's not injury-prone. He doesn't get in any produced. trouble outside, no, the, he's a great outside the field. Uh, apparently, he's a he really stand-up guy, and uh, he wanted to be traded so early so he could move his family down here, yeah. get them equated to Dallas, get his kids in school, all well, that last different year, stuff. You remember, Dallas tried to get him I last was about year, to say, last year. they offered year, a third-round pick for him. And they said and, no. And Houston said no. Yeah. And now Houston's got themselves. Well, also, he was ready to go. Yeah. And when Houston said no, he played that last year with them, and in the season, he told them he wanted to be – Traded. He yeah. wanted out. And they, they stripped him of his captain status. It pretty much just severed ties with him yeah. in the season, then practically benched him. Yeah. But so, I, we I, were talking about Hopkins versus him yeah. when we were like, okay, once they got him, we were kind of like, well, should they have got him or should they have went ahead and got Hopkins? Well, this but is then what you go and saw, look at his actual stats. But this is what I would have saw with third, DeAndre Hopkins coming here. Well, hold on. So, Cooks is the third most productive wide receiver in the past, like, ten years. Yeah. Only Mike Evans and uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey have more 1,000-yard uh, yeah, seasons than Cooks does. And that's that not had bad to have, company. That had to – yeah, exactly. That had to be – that's quiet. And we were talking about Evans. Yeah, that's quiet seasons right there because I didn't know that until I saw the stats. No, I knew – you know, it's just sometimes you don't know what players are available to you. Yeah. And then it's, you know, we brought up Brandon Cooks a couple of episodes ago that because he's kind of that hired gun that gets traded about it. You know, he's he, he always goes, he four, go, this is the fourth team he's been traded to. Yeah. And they all start winning. Gone to teams that were somewhat competing for yes. a Super Bowl. They all bring him in. Yeah, they all to bring go to him in because he can blow the top off the yep. defense. Now, the difference between him and DeAndre Hopkins is you would see basically CeeDee Lamb have to take a. CeeDee Lamb would then be the guy that has to take the top off because DeAndre Hopkins is more of your possession receiver. He's going to work underneath where CeeDee Lamb would have to Hopkins take the top. Hopkins or Cooks? No, Cooks. I'm talking about if we brought in Hopkins. Oh, okay. Now, Cooks, it's the other way around. CeeDee Lamb can work the work the. Well, Cooks, Cooks the does slot. the slots. Well, both of them can work the slot, but yeah. what I'm saying, Cooks can take the top off the so, defense. 
Yeah, he can do both because so he's got he's, he's got going to speed, stretch, but he's he, going to stretch. he so now Dallas can he's still essentially stretch an older CD Lamb when you really think about it. The only difference yeah, is CD so. Lamb CD Lamb catches with his hands, Cooks catches with his body, but it's a different kind of catch with his body. He doesn't catch like a who's that kid that used to be here eighty three, uh, uh, Terrence Terrence uh, Williams. Williams. Uh, Williams. Remember, he would have he's to he, it have to come to him. Yeah. He's a different body catcher. He's already getting his body in position to shield yeah. himself to catch it, and it's because he's a smaller guy. He's not a really big guy. No, but he's a speed burner. He's a speed burner, but in Houston, what he was used for was slot. He'd get it, and he's gone. Yeah. That would be what his main bread and butter was, which I think that's how we're about to start building this offense is we're going to have our receivers do like that and let CeeDee Lamb just eat up the defense on well, his own. Well, that's what you want. You want somebody that can take the top off and CeeDee Lamb can work underneath and then gallop however his role's going to be. It should go back to the third wide receiver concept. You would think Where so. actually CeeDee Lamb would probably be in the slot when Gallup's on the field and Gallup in in uh, uh, Cooks will be on the outside where CeeDee Lamb can eat up the slot. Now – I'm not so sure Dallas is finished bringing in receivers. I think they might possibly go after another one. I think Dallas... You think they go after Hopkins also? I don't know if they'll go that drastic, but I think... That would be one you know, hell think, of a wide receiver core, I think the door... I think or do you it, just think they use a top draft pick on one? That's possible. If it too, falls. If it falls. And then we'll talk about the draft a little bit later because I think that's a whole different scenario. But what Dallas has done, you know, they they filled the two biggest holes they had. Yep. And they did it. Which opens with, them up. And, they, and, you know, and they re-signed Cooks. So, we got him, I think, for three years now, is my understanding. They re- I did thought it was contract. two. Maybe two, maybe three. I know they redid his contract when he got here. But I thought they added another year. But I No, way, so what we did is we took his – so he's scheduled to make eighteen million this year, but and Houston's playing Houston six. Houston paid that. six, yeah. so we were left over with the twelve. Yeah, so we paying, made we made ten of it a signing bonus. Yeah, so we're paying so he really only has yeah he only has like a two million dollar contract for, for two. I would say perennial yeah. players, and coming he'll here. he'll get another contract. I'm sure as long well, as he he's produces what, 30, 30 years old. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not that old. And he's he's only had one major injury, and that was uh what playing in the Super Bowl. Well, that was a concussion. Yeah, he got lit yeah, up. Yeah, he got hit. He's never had – I think he had like a – No, I'm saying that was his major Yeah, injury. he might have had a hamstring pull, but he's only missed like five games his whole yeah, career. Right. And Other one than, of them was because Houston was trying to trade him. They were benching him. him. They didn't they, want him to get hurt. Yeah, they didn't want to get hurt because they thought they were going to trade him, yeah. and he didn't get traded. So, uh, yeah. you know, so <laughs> who knows? I'm just saying that I'm not so sure – what we're seeing with Dallas, they plugged two holes, the two major holes I said they had to I th- plug. I think the and reason they did it is so they have free reign in the draft to right. just draft best players. And, and then, like I said, we'll talk about the draft in a, in, a, in a bit here. But what I'm seeing with what Dallas is doing, you know, they've re-signed most of the guys that were starters here. You know, yep. we still got a question mark at defensive The tackle. whole defensive Line are coming back, right? Yeah, but you still got the defensive tackle with your one or zero well, hell, tech. We had we had Carl, a defensive tackle Carlos, issue last year. Or Carlos Watkins, or are they going to bring in uh, the the kid they oh, brought? No, uh, I was going to tell you or ask you now that we said something about defensive line. Tack McKinley. Yeah, did we have him last year? Yeah, we've had him a couple of years. Wasn't he? Didn't he get drafted by Atlanta? 
I'm not sure. Could have sworn. But we've had him a couple of years. Could have sworn he was a he was a first round pick, right? I'm not sure. I know he's been here a couple of years, I'm, but I could be thinking of somebody else. But I could have sworn that Tack McKinley was drafted by Atlanta first round because when he came out on stage, he said something really weird and off the wall. But that was the year I think we got Taco. I'm almost uh, certain because so because I remember me and you we watched the draft every year together. Right. And we sit there and comment for the whole four hours or whatever it's on. But I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, I remember he came out and he said something just off the wall. Because I remember Dallas, if it's a guy I'm thinking about, Dallas was interested in him when he was in the draft, but he didn't fall to him. He ended up getting drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, if I remember right. And I could be thinking of somebody totally different, but – I'm almost 100% sure he was drafted by the Falcons in the first round, which, if that's the case, man, he has fallen. Uh, let's see. So, he was drafted. You're right. He was drafted in the first round in 2017 uh, by the Atlanta Falcons. You're right. Uh, yeah, um, that's right. Um so yeah, that's okay. So, so that is the same guy. Yeah, that's the same guy. Okay, uh, I know he's been here a couple of years, so he probably came with. I think he came the same year Taco was drafted. Um, I think, well, I think he probably came here with. Uh, or was it the Dak draft? No, no, no. He 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 played. He oh, you mean when he came here? Okay, so okay. he came here with what's his name? Uh, the Quinn. Yeah, okay. Dan Quinn. I thought you meant uh, no. when he was drafted. So Dan Quinn brought him in, probably. Gotcha. gotcha. So. The other thing, so Dallas did, they, they went and signed a couple other guys. Uh, they went and found a backup. Running back. Running back, Ronald yeah. Jones. Third string, is third string running back from Kansas City last year. Kansas City and Tampa Bay before that. So he's been yeah. two Super Bowls. He's got two Super Bowl rings yeah. already. Yeah, we were, uh, uh, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Tristan actually, and uh, I was joking about, did this backup running back, third stringer, perennial third stringer, come in with more Super Bowl rings than anybody on this team? Well, he was actually a second stringer. I mean, he kind of spelled. But he's a backup. He is a backup. But Did he's, he but, come in with more rings than anybody on this team? Yes. How many does Gilmore have? One? He had one. He, one maybe. he had one with the Patriots. Yeah, he got one with the Patriots. But that's maybe. it, right? Yeah, I think so. So he's in here with more Super Bowl <laughs> rings than anybody on this team, including the coach. Yeah. So he's one less than the owner. Well, let me ask did now Cooks has been at Houston, what, for three years now, hasn't he? I don't, uh, Cooks played in the Super Bowl, but I think it was the year that New England lost. Yeah, he lost because he got the head. Yeah, that yeah. was the year they he lost. Got, he got his head taken yeah. off. Um, but. So Dallas also went out. So they bolstered their offensive line. They went and got a journeyman offensive lineman, which he was a backup to. Yeah, he was a backup. Chuma Edaga. Yeah, it's not like Chuma we went Edaga. and signed he just for the some Jets. So this beater. is this is probably an insurance policy. Just a depth. Just depth. Just depth. But Dallas also has two other guys on depth. But I think what Dallas has done, so. Left guard is either going to be Ty, Tyron Smith or does Dallas – Dallas has set themselves up for the draft. They don't have to take anybody. Yep. 
they can take the best player off the board at yep. any given point. Yep. Because I think they that, they they put themselves in a pivotal role. That's why that's why I've liked this off season so much. Yeah. To me, and now they try and say on the radio, no, you guys just have a recency bias, but that's not true. I don't remember an off season to where we filled in holes like we have to where it's like, okay, now we've got free reign. If we got a guy that we need, but he's a top pick on our yeah. board, take him. Yeah. But if he's not, and there is a top pick left, take him. Well, I think, like I said, this is, a, you know, I think what's made prompted, I think there's a lot of reasons what's prompted here. But the narrative about Cooks coming here, and then the media immediately jumping on saying, well, this proves Dallas made a mistake by getting rid of Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. Think everybody, we just fixed it. Everybody at that point saw Amari Cooper declining. Yep. And not Nobody just declining. To, he had know, this weird knack about him that he disappeared in, in road, road games. games. And it, it, was, it wasn't just shit that people say. Yeah. It was real. But he really did also, disappear. There was also things we heard about Amari Cooper. Yeah, he didn't care about football. He didn't like to practice. He didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. And he complained about his injuries constantly. Yes, he always you said know, he was hurt. So we heard things that was leading up to him. And being then I think, I think when and the the vaccine thing came out, you know, the Cowboys pushed out <laughs> pretty hard to get everybody vaccinated. And he was like, oh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm scared. And the next week he was at a – uh, Mavericks game courtside, no mask. Yeah. And the Cowboys are like, okay. And then he got COVID. And they're like, really? It's like, you're well, doing this and then you get sick? It's like, come on, man. Well, I, I just think that – I think a couple of things are happening in Dallas that we haven't seen. Well, I, th- I think when- – going back to Cooper, I think, I think he just didn't care enough about football. And I think the Cowboys took it personally. They were like, you don't care about this team. Well, he was he was one of the highest paid receivers. Yeah, he was one of the highest paid receivers. But I think the Cowboys eventually took it personally because wasn't there also practice questions about him? He didn't want to practice. He always said he was too hurt to practice. We heard some things that came out about him that sounded like that. Sounded like the same shit from Oakland. Was he serious about playing football? Yeah, and you and know, this has and followed I him think, around his career. Here, here's. Here's something that I've, I'm starting to wonder that and when Jason Garrett was the head coach here and he was – actually, let's go back before Garrett was the offensive coordinator and he was the hot coach that Jerry Jones, that the whole NFL thought they can't let walk. Mm-hmm. And so and, – and they, they promoted – Jason Garrett as the head coach, which I had no problem with, you know, but what happened is Garrett's the first time head coach. He's trying to figure things out, what have you. And he's trying what, to mimic the 90s. Yeah, he was trying to mimic the 90s teams. It's what he knows. I'm yep. not, I don't begrudge him of that. It's what he knows. And he was trying, you know. Which granted, it and, worked and it, for about a year. It, well, it actually, they were, they were competitive. They, that they was the issue. They were mediocre they for were years, average. and so you had know, crappy draft picks. You know, they go thirteen and three, eight, eight and eight. eight. <laughs> you know, whatever. I but, mean, how many eight and eights did they have under him? But what I'm seeing here, and I'm just wondering that sometimes, I don't know 
Jason Garrett, we kind of talked about this charisma thing uh, episode ago. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think Jason Garrett's probably a smart coach. Oh, you know he is. But, you know, but he probably just didn't have the charisma. He has a personality of a brick wall. Yeah. And I think what happened here is when Parcells was here, or Jimmy Johnson. Parcells had a personality. Oh, he had charisma out the wazoo. Uh, when Jimmy Johnson and Parcells were here, they made things happen regardless of what the organization thought. Yeah. And they didn't care. we heard things that butted heads in a sense. Now, Jimmy Johnson obviously got all the leeway, but when Parcells came here, I remember yeah, he, way back before Parcells came here that everybody thought there was no way that Jimmy Jones, Jimmy, Jerry Jones and, and Bill Parcells could coexist. Yep. So he comes in here. And the, the unfortunate thing with Parcells, he never had a quarterback that he could build with. He he had a four different he quarterbacks. Did, he four did different draft years. Tony Romo though. Well, they didn't draft Tony Romo. He was free agent. They got him off the streets. He or yeah, but there. you know what I mean. Well, they brought well, saying, him in. But there again, and yeah, they, they said and they said even thrown. watching, even yeah. watching, they were like, if he's there, we want him. Problem is, he kept falling and falling yeah. and falling. They were like. Well, because he had that gunslinger mentality, yeah. which Parcells isn't a fan of. Right. Parcells is more of a fan of, of the prototypical so. quarterback. Get rid of the ball. Don't hang on to it. Don't create turnovers. And it, it took it took Romo three years sitting on the bench before he was thrown into the fire because we to. ran out of quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but well, Bledsoe what I'm got saying, injured. What I'm saying. Is I think people that had the pedigree of a Jimmy Johnson, of a Parcells, you know, Chan Gailey didn't have any clout when he coached here. He coached here two years, won the NFC East both years, and was gone within two years. But got to the playoffs, but just didn't win a couldn't win a playoff game. Uh, Wade Phillips. Awesome defensive coordinator. Probably one oh, of the best yeah. defensive coordinators. I mean, the whole time he was here, we had good defense, yeah. didn't we? But he just didn't. What I think's happening here with I think Will yeah. McClay and Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn. I think it's a good group. I think what's happening is they're collectively coming together as a group, and I think what's happening is they're collectively making like decisions. How can we help each other? How do we help each other? We all are agreeing that I think that's what's happening they're that finally we coming haven't together. seen with Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, that everything's clicking and they're all on the same page. We're not seeing crazy signings. We're not seeing, you know, yes, they they got rid of Elliott. Yeah, they probably need to get rid of Tyron Smith. But, okay, maybe they yeah. tried to trade him and nobody wanted him. I don't know. And you just can't cut a guy that's going to make – if you're going to – He's still, well he's still better than every yeah. backup you've got. Right. So, if he's no, going to make still better than a lot of your starters. Versus, the problem is he's not going to stay there because no, he's going to get hurt. No, he's not. But – so, I'm not saying that that tanks their their career their, – their, their season. What I'm saying is we're seeing something out of this organization that Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, Will McClay are all on the same page with what this team needs. And they've made those changes each year. Last year, they cleaned house, and everybody said, well, they're going to take a step back. But yep. they didn't. Nope. They got ju- They were just as good. If with, not better. If not better, with arguably less. Yep. Now, some things Dak caught Dak was them. hurt for what, yeah. six so, games? Some things caught him. And, and, but what I'm saying is this is the first time, I don't know how long Dallas has been in position when they go into the draft 
they don't have to They don't reach. have to need for anybody. They can take anybody. And I'm not opposed. And I've always been a big proponent of this because I'm a big proponent of Belichick draft strategy. Trade down and get as many damn picks as you can. Especially if somebody you're not looking for isn't there. Well, if I can get a two and a three, if I, I can get a two and a three by trading back an extra yep. extra two picks or an extra two picks in the top 100. I mean, and if there's not a first-round pick that you want, then yeah. I could see that. And but it may be that, that case, but like the wide receivers. The only one that I see that Ohio I would State. consider – no. The only one that I see that I really would consider taking in the first round is the kid from TCU that's six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds. All the rest of them are six foot and smaller. Those are slot receivers. Yep. I'm not taking them in the first round. Sorry. Yeah. I don't care what you did in college. All these other kids that ran yep. all over the field, it doesn't translate. No, because you're about to go up against all the top cornerbacks right. in the country. And if you know, I think it's a huge long shot if B. John Robinson falls to death. I don't want to I don't for think him. he will. He won't be but there. But if he is, If he's there, take they him. can take him. If, they, if that's, that's that. But I think that's what Dallas has set themselves up. Because I'm, I'm a, you know, so somebody asked me, what's the difference between somebody like Dallas that's knocking on the door versus somebody like, say, Chicago? Well, Chicago has to rely on the draft. They have to get there with the draft. So you start yep. plugging in your teams with draft players. That's why they made the trade to get more draft yep. picks, to get better, quicker with draft picks. What Dallas is going to do is bolster their roster. I mean, they already have a They're core. not going to bring in, you know, they're not getting a top ten pick. No. But doesn't mean draft Draft players are, are as important for any team as, you know, no matter where you're at. What I'm saying is Dallas now can take the best player across the board and plug them in. And I'm not so sure that Dallas goes after, you know, it's, I think it's going to be unpredictable what they do. I think if they go after a tight end or, you know, Zach Martin's not young anymore, they yeah, may be it, looking at his replacement. Yeah. So we might see a guard. We might see a defensive tackle. There's no telling what Dallas is going to draft. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but I, you know, I'm just saying that Dallas has an opportunity here to improve their team with their draft. But I also think. Like I said earlier, I don't think Dallas is done with bringing in another free agent and uh, in somebody else. You know, I don't know if Odell Beckham is uh, is going to get signed. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's getting interviewed by the Chiefs this week. Well, that's possible. Granted, this and, week and I is can see that happening, and the Jets. March 24th weekend, but yeah. I could have sworn – and the Jets. I, I saw but that too. Here's the thing that's got me curious. Dallas has cleared a lot of cap space. To sign kind of whoever they want. Yeah, and they now they're like 12, 13, 15 million they, under so, the cap. Yeah, so they, they've got all these top players, which granted, they are top players. Yeah. I mean, I know that Gilmore's been in the Pro Bowl at least two or three times. How many times has Cook's been? 
I can think of maybe once with Houston, I thought. I think he's went, been uh, four. Four Pro Bowls? I think he has. And they've spent nothing. Yeah, no. Not, so now they still have to... all this money. Yeah. It's like, are you going to go grab somebody else? And the consensus around Dallas is that they are eyeing somebody else. Yeah. But who? Who are they eyeing? I don't know. It may be another trade that we can't predict because we, did, we didn't see the Gilmore well, or the Cooks trade. So get this. So uh, Coming. I've been hearing that Derrick Henry, as we talked about him, is wanting a trade. He wants out of Tennessee. Would you be opposed to trying to get him on a one-year deal here in Dallas just to see? Because um, the chance that B. John Robinson falls is going to be really unlikely. No, I think teams are starting to uh, realize he's he's going to be, he you know he, he's probably going to be a talent at least for the first four or five years. Um, but I still think what Dallas has done, even though they've got Gilmore, even though they got Cooks, even though they resigned yeah. everybody, they've basically plugged all the major holes here. They still need one more person to put them over the top. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, whether they've caught, whether they're the best team in the NFC, I don't know. But what I'm saying is, if you were wanting to take a gamble on an Odell Beckham and put a performance clause in his contract, because or we don't he had, know what he's going to be. He has to work for his money. Yeah, we don't know what he's going to be. And, and I think that's why a lot of teams have stayed away from it. But I'd be willing to risk If he's that. willing to sign that. Yeah, I'd be willing to do that just to try it. Yeah, because Odell Beckham you know, as your slot receiver would be Well, if you ungodly. got Beckham, CeeDee Lamb, and Cooks. that That's easily the best wide receiver corner in the yeah, league. Yeah, you, you, you've got something to contend. Then you've got, you know. Your chance you, to go plus, get you a running back in the draft. What You know, here's the thing. We don't know what the draft is going to bring any team. Nobody knows. Yeah. And to rely well, on the so, draft to plug players to get better is well, actually so we'll a talk, terrible We'll talk about play. it later. With the draft, yeah. But as far as running backs, I've heard that there's three or four really good ones that we oh, could you go can, after. You, you can find even if we don't get Robinson. No, there's there's plenty of running backs that that can easily be, you know, that play the role of what well, Ezekiel so, Elliott, the the kid out of Kentucky. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, hang on here. Uh, here it is. Chris Rodriguez, um, he he probably will fit what Zeke was doing here more than any guy in the draft or in the top echelon that they could easily get in the second or third round. Oh, so they're grading they're grading the running back class of twenty twenty three as an A. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, for all you people out there, all your draft magazines are out. Go get them. Check them out. Uh, yeah, but, we're kind of looking at the Lindy Sports yeah, Pro Football Draft yeah. one, but and, uh, hell, there's tons of them. There's tons of them. Athlons has them. Sports. Uh, I mean, sport you go news. look at uh, what's well, that dude? What's that dude's name from ESPN? Uh, is it I, Mel something. Oh, Mel Kiper. Yeah, you yeah. Can look at one of his 2000 draft uh, mocks. Yeah, you but know, Mel Kiper. As long as he makes that many draft mocks. He's bound to get one, right? Yeah, so I heard. I something. think some of his are a little more on hype than they are on reality. Yeah. Well, here's what's funny. <laughs> so I was listening to the radio the other day, and they're like, "Well, he nailed it on Tyler Smith." 
And I'm like, well, yeah, when you make a thousand different mock drafts, one of them's bound to hit, right? Well, he nailed it on Tyler Smith, but everybody knew Dallas was taking a left tackle. Well, I mean, it I was mean, just a matter of which We were kind of sitting there like, all right, what are they going to do here? Because there are some some guys they could go and get, top guys. Yeah. But when they drafted them, we were like, okay, well, that's a good pick. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not a sexy pick. It's not a cool pick. It's not a fun pick. And it sure makes it to where you're sitting up watching the draft all night long drinking. You're like, all right, well, that's not what I was expecting. Right. But it's the same with Zach Martin. They got booed when they drafted Zach Martin. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think this year, don't be surprised if Dallas drafts a guard because, you know, they're looking in the future. And that's what you're supposed to do with your draft. You're yeah, supposed and I mean, to start replacing. Dallas is, they are in hell of a team at drafting offensive linemen. Yeah, they're good at it. I mean, they, what? They've done the They've best at least got linemen. one, two, at least three most likely Hall of Famers. Two at least. Yeah. Hall of Famers that are that they've drafted just in the past twenty years. Yeah, you know, and I mean, even before that, they've got tons of Hall of Famers. Larry Allen, yeah. you know, all them guys. Now, I mean, when it comes to the draft in the first round, I'm I'm old school. To me, size matters. I don't want to gamble on a first round pick on somebody that doesn't fit. Although the profile. Tyler Biotish, he's not a huge guy. Yeah. I mean, he is big. But he was a fourth round pick. But hell, look at him. You know, he's I, I mean, the, what I'm saying is, I don't want to take a five foot eleven wide receiver. I, I want, no, neither you know, do I. I. I don't want to take a six two tight end. I don't want yeah. to take you know somebody that's undersized. Well, I don't want to take a six two tight end either. I want Travis Kelsey. You know, uh, but you know, so be it if they turn into something else for somebody else. But I've just I've seen it too many times where, you know, just like these small quarterbacks that are being taken now. And yet, all of them are going through the physicality of the game, getting hurt at a higher clip because yeah. they're 5'11", 6 foot, and I'm, st- I'm sorry, the game is still physical, and as much as these guys want to run now, they're taking just as many hits as they always have, yep. and it starts adding up. Yep. And, uh, you know, not to take anything away from Bryce Young or whatever, I mean – Which I, th- I think – Statistically – his pedigree, where he came from, on paper, he's probably the best quarterback. But I would be a little leery of taking a six-foot quarterback. And then can he can he develop into the pocket passer? The kid that's probably closer to NFL ready Will Levis. is Will Levis because he's 6'4", you know, 220 pounds. Looks like an NFL quarterback. Looks like quarterback. a pocket passer. Uh, I mean that that's that's just the reality of it. No, he doesn't have the stats as so he, Bryce Young. He's compared to Josh Allen, right? Something like that. Yeah, he will run, but he's more of he's a, relying on his arm. Yeah, he relies more on his arm. Uh, and I'm like I said, I've just when you go back and look at these guys that are getting drafted, uh, you know what Philadelphia did. With Jalen Hurts taking him in the second round, middle of the second round, that that was, that was ideal. Still. That was ideal to take. Yeah, they weren't willing to take him in the first. Well, he and, was rated for first for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, but he fell because I think people started realizing his size was in. You yeah. know, the fact he is that, a small guy compared yeah, he's to only quarterbacks. Six like one. Yeah, you know, so uh, which granted that's bigger than most people. Yeah, but, but not for NFL talk. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you meet these guys in person and they just tower over you. Yeah. So, 
I, I just think Dallas has set themselves up nicely. This is a while we've seen this, but I do think that if they can go out and pull something else off, that would put them over the top. Right now, I think on paper, it, it's anybody's game. It could be Dallas. It could be Philadelphia. It could be San Francisco out of the NFC uh, that are that are probably at that at the top echelon. Um, you know, Chicago's going to be two years away. Detroit might scare the hell out of somebody. They're probably going to win the division. Green Bay, who knows where they're at. Um, Man, I'll tell you, I don't think Green Bay is going to really slouch that much. Jordan Love looked really good in every game he played in last year. Well, I mean, other than maybe one, he looked really good. They need to find out. So, so. I mean, and you know, I don't – is New Orleans going to be – are they going to make the leap? I, You know – those kind of things, I just, I, I just don't give that much credence to because you know, I think those teams are still always two years away. They have to figure out what they've got, and uh, but like I said, I think Dallas is in a position here now to where they got control. And when you look at free agency so far, to me, they're top of the list, followed by Detroit. Chicago, Miami, yeah, and probably, I guess maybe Carolina. Carolina's done a lot in the free agency. The only problem is they still don't have a quarterback. Yeah, but they do have the first round pick. Well, they well they do got a low pick. So, but so yet they're going to be drafted. They don't have a low. They have the lowest. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. They did make the trade. I'm sorry, but still, so they get the first pick overall. But so if how, there's how a good quarterback, yeah. and I. I you know everybody's saying C.J. Stroud's Even going Cleveland's first. Done a good job in free agency. Yeah, I think I you know well we can talk about it in the draft talk, but I think if I'm Carolina, I'm going to go after the Willis kid. That would be yeah. my first round pick, because at least then you know you've got a Will Levis. Yeah, yeah, that's who I'd be going after. Yeah, you know well, if, if it were just... me, but. I, you know the Panthers, and they're going to screw this up somehow, and they'll draft B.J. Robertson. Well, I, I just know all these quarterbacks that are running. Um, it can only last so long. It only lasts for so long, and then they've got to come. And the to a issue pass. with the running quarterback is, yeah, they're dynamic. Yeah, they change games. They change the way you have to game plan for them. But what happens to every single one of them? They well, get figured out, don't they? Yeah, well, I'll take that back. C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, he is a pocket passer. He doesn't run either. Right. He's 6'3". So, I would see – you know, be honest with you, you know, for some reason it slipped my mind. I would take C.J. Stroud As your number one? As my number one. Okay. Because I think he he's resembling – the only thing I have with, with Levis is – Decision-making? Well, not so much that. It just – being in Kentucky. Oh, competition. And, and, and competition-wise, yeah, he's still playing in the SEC. But still, I, I'm just – I'm a little leery. Stroud's going up against the best every time yeah. he goes out. And But, you know, I mean, some of these guys can slip through the cracks and, and you can miss on them. But there again, I would take him over the two smaller quarterbacks or the smaller quarterbacks. But – People get caught up in it. You know, the Richardson kid, I think he needs a lot of work. He's six foot four. 
Obviously runs like Lamar Jackson, does everything right, can pick up a house, high jump, all this and that. But how much of that translates into an NFL quarterback, I do not know. Well, do you think somebody takes a chance on him? Because you oh, know they're going will. to. Somebody's going to. And somebody's going to, he's right, probably so, going to be, you know, uh, Hendon Hooker. He's 6'3". He's got size. That's the one but you I said think, if he I, falls to Dallas, you hope they take yeah, him, right? Yeah, but I think he's a two, one or two years away to be developed. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily – you know, he's got the arm strength. But there again, I think it, those kind of guys can go somewhere and, and set behind someone. These other guys are going to be expected to start immediately. And yeah. that's usually what gets them in trouble because they've got to figure the game out immediately. So, I, I mean, I'm just, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always leery when it comes to all these quarterbacks that get drafted or people think, oh, we're going to do this and that. And how many years do we go? We got five, six quarterbacks that go, <laughs> and all of them are Hall of Famers and none of them are Hall of Famers. Oh, They're yeah. all I mean, cut within three Every years. single year we watch the draft, you know, every one of these guys are Hall of Fame I players. Mean, it just it seems it's, like – It's just for views. It's yeah. just so people watch. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, you know, and there's there's going to be talent. You know, there, there's, there's talent in every draft. You just got to find them. Um, and Dallas does a good job drafting players, so they'll be fine. Um, but I am interested to see what Chicago does. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, I'm interested to see how they bolster their defense. Their offense is pretty well set. So how far down does Chicago move after they traded? That was nine, wasn't it? They moved to nine. nine yeah. well, that's not bad at all. Then. And I think they're setting up for Bijan Robinson. I really think they want him to help out. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if they get him, they they've got they they've got a formidable. Well, who's their who's their wide receivers? I know they got uh, Claypool, DJ Moore, uh, Komet is their tight end. Hey, just those two right there. The I, other kid I remember they last year. I remember I wanted Claypool whenever yeah, they were shopping him, yeah. or he was a free agent, yeah. and then they went and got him. Yeah, because I I think Claypool reminds now, me a lot of be he set. reminds me a lot of Des Bryant. Yeah, they they they'll be set for a wide receiver tight end. They they just need that that running back to help. Just a, yeah, to help take pressure off of Fields. Well, he'll be there, I'm sure, whenever they're drafting. Well, maybe. I mean, I you imagine. know, we never know what some of these, you know, the whole argument is that these running backs are going to fall. but Unless there's a team, like you yeah, said, that needs one. That needs one. and uh, Or do they bolster that offensive line trying to help out Fields? It's possible. Because Fields is actually a throwing quarterback first and a runner second. He just had to run these past, you know, two years – because he had no other options. Yeah, but the thing and is, and he had people in the backfield every single play. Yeah, but I think it, it's. Uh, or do you think they're gonna try and mimic the Eagles? Because he's well, kind of he's kind of the same. He's gonna have that running. To me, he's the same player as Jalen Smith or uh, Jalen Hurts. Hurt, sorry. No, but at some point he's gonna have to learn to set in the pocket an extra beat and get rid of the football. Yep. I mean, if he's always going to take off before the play develops, it doesn't matter who Chicago has. You know, then you got getting, Lamar Jackson that huh? can't run as good. Yeah, well, so. But, you know, and the other thing we saw uh, this week, Cam Newton tried out, had a pro day. We had a pro day. Had a pro day, tried out for X number of teams. Well, he went out to Auburn. Yeah, at Auburn. Only uh, only school that would have him back 
<laughs> you know? Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you what. This is what I think he should do. He used to be so dominant in the NFL. The problem was his ability was better than his skill. He was so good, he could throw the ball so hard and so far, and he was so damn big. Yeah. At one point, he was bigger than every linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't get him down with one yeah, person. No, so if he takes guy. off running, what are you going to do? Yeah, a cornerback ain't getting him down. But he also developed into a pocket passer. Did he, though? Because I think what happened no, was I – think, I, think, I think what happened with him is his mechanics that his ability was able to hide. When his ability started to decline, those mechanics started to show, and no, then he became yeah, a worse then, quarterback. Well, he also got hurt. When he got hurt – in, in that one year, and I well, think yeah, he, he runs. Back. He was he never, runs he was all never, the time. He ne- he was never right. Then he got paid the huge contract, yeah. and it looked like for some and reason. And the issue with him he was had a huge drop off after he got all that money. Yeah, and the issue with him was he didn't get awarded the same kind of treatment that some of these other pocket passer quarterbacks got. Yeah, he would take off and he would get leveled yeah. by dudes, and there'd be no penalty. Yeah, and it's like. All right, okay, just because he's big, he's still a quarterback. You have to give him the same stuff you give Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or this guy. It's like yeah. just because he's twice their size doesn't mean anything. He's still the quarterback. But they wouldn't do it, and he was getting clobbered in these games. Well, I thought when he came out, and I really thought he was going to have a long career and he got to a Super Bowl. Hell, they damn near went undefeated. Yeah. And he got Hell, to a Super Bowl. I, I was Bowl. hoping they were going to win the Super Bowl. And uh, and then he wouldn't, you know, he had the, the play where he wouldn't jump on the football in the Super Bowl. Yep. And, and everybody called him. him. Everybody kind of called him up pussy and, and all this hurt. other stuff. Got his knee tore up or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah he got he hit got in the knee. he got the big contract, and it just seemed like, he, you know, he kind of went Hollywood on everybody. And it just kind of well, seemed like. Well, remember you started hearing about how his teammates are like, oh, he thinks he's better than everybody yeah, else that's and what all I'm this he went crap. Hollywood on yeah. You can't do that with your team. And so it just seemed like it was a quick decline. Yeah. And then when you watch him, I mean, when, it, when, he also when Patriots would, brought him in. He would also do that crap where he would not take blame for any mistake he made, it was always somebody else. Yeah. You know, it was his what he got in trouble that one time because he blamed his offensive line for sucking. Mm-hmm. They couldn't block. Yeah, it's like no, you're holding on to the damn ball too damn long. Throw it. Yeah, you know, you got open receivers. Throw the ball. It's like when your offensive line's calling you out. Like no, we were blocking. You were holding on to the ball. Yeah, you know, and then when when you start calling out teammates, you know you're done. Yeah, you're done with the team. And I think that was happening in Carolina, right? That. Definitely didn't happen no, in New England. No, it didn't happen by the time he went to New England because he had set out another year. Yeah. And uh, But watching him in New England, he just flat would bail out on the play. Just run. Yeah, just flat, you know, in, yeah. in New England, you know, after a year of it, they, they had enough now, of it. Even though the guy has a hell of an arm. I mean, he has well, a cannon of an arm, I, but I think, maybe just the skills started to decline. Yeah. And well, he knew and it. The injuries start adding up, and, yeah. and the physicality of the game. It but see, all his all his injuries were I in mean, his legs. And, and Matt Ryan same way. 
Yeah. Matt Ryan's taking so many hits, he won't stay in the pocket anymore. He gets yeah. rid of that football so quickly now. Should have been like Brady, just go down on your own. You know, I mean, it, it just it goes to show uh, we saw it with Carson Wentz. Yep. That these guys, they won't stay in the pocket. And I think once that sets in, they hear those footsteps. Yeah, I, I think, think Carson know. Wentz, the first, he was really good up until he got popped real good one time. And he got – there was one game, and I can't remember who they were playing. Might have been, might have, might have been the uh, – where did he get hurt? He got hurt in Philadelphia, blew his ACL. No, I know he got hurt in Philadelphia. He played for him. Who were they playing? Was it the Redskins? I don't remember. It was somebody, but he got lit up the play before. And they were saying that – I mean, he was looking like his eyes were crossed. Like, you could tell something's wrong. Yeah. He comes back out, gets pulled down from behind, and rips his whole knee open. Yeah. Well, not open, but rips his whole knee apart. And it's like – I mean, of course that's going to mess you up in the head. He had the same injury that uh, Palmer had. Or not Palmer. Alex uh, Smith Smith had. Yeah. Remember, he had the same injury because they were worried because Alex Smith had all those problems and complications yeah. with his. Ended his whole career pretty much. Well, he did make a comeback. He came back, but... He, but he liked to lost his leg. Over yeah. There. Alex Smith, that is actually he a, did a have a come, story. Yeah, he had a comeback. But, and now, as much as I... Was a broken ankle, though? Wasn't his a broken foot? Wentz? No, Alex Smith. No, it was his knee. Was it his knee? Yeah, he tore a ligament in his knee and or broke his knee or broke his leg. It was something from the knee down. But I know infection and said So he had, they did surgery. He got an infection and, and he had four more surgeries, yeah, they I cut believe. Out like his calf. Yeah, and they told him we might have to take your leg. And he's yeah. like, No. He's like, You keep you keep working on it. Yeah. I mean, and I they eventually it, got it out and he was okay. Yeah. But yeah, for him to come back and play, that was crazy. And even I was rooting for him, and I hate that team. Yeah. But I wasn't rooting for the team. I was rooting for him. Yeah, no, I hated but, to see it, but I remember it. I couldn't remember if it was a leg or a broken ankle or I whatever. I could have sworn he broke, so his, he broke his leg or tore a ligament in his knee. I remember the injury was gruesome. You well, know, it just I mean, it, like it was like a, a Thiesman type break. Where yeah, he got. I could have sworn he just got pulled down, yeah. and it was yeah, just like, and, and oh, his leg gave God. Out. Uh, no, I, I mean, but it's and, just, it's, you know, that unfortunately, there's guys. I mean, that, some guys, they get hurt and it ruins their career because yeah, they, they, they can never back. get over it. Yeah, they can't, you know. And I, mean, I think Wentz is that kind of player. Yeah, yeah. You know, he got injured that one time because yeah. it was a horrific pull down and a yank of his well, knee and just tore it apart. And he had no idea what was happening. Who the kid in Indianapolis? Yeah, luck. Luck. Yeah, yeah. he quit yeah, over he quit it. quit over it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't blame him. I mean, you know, if you, you – That's know, a long mentally, recovery. Yeah. You know, you rip you your knee like tendons and you've got to do all those recoveries to come back yeah. and all it takes is, boom, one play and yeah. you can do it again. No, I, I – it's You know, and I think Wentz, you know, granted, when he tore his knee, he got lit up. So, I think he was already kind of out of it. He had no idea what was going on and then, boom, ripped his knee. Because right. remember, he stood up to walk off, and his knee just buckled, and he fell yeah. back down on top of it. It was something where you're like, oh, God, no, he's hurt. Yeah. You know? Now, granted, not as horrific as Dax. Dax's injury was one of the worst things I've ever seen live. I mean, that was that was bad. Now, <laughs> well, I, I didn't watch Joe Theismann live. Well, you can, though. They got it everywhere. I've seen it online. It is uh, nasty. Yeah. But Dax... Dax, 
he grabs his leg and tries to pop his leg back into place. Yeah. He slams his leg on the ground, not knowing he's got a compound fracture. For anyone who doesn't know what a compound fracture mm-hmm. is, it's where the bone has broke the skin yeah. and it's sticking, sticking out. out. Yeah, no, it... it... As, and then, you know, granted, not a, lot of, not a lot of people made fun of him, but I did see some people online making fun of him for crying. If you aren't crying then you must be a Terminator because yeah, I have he, no he idea. He wasn't crying because of pain. He was well, he knew he was crying. out. He, he knew he, he was, this could be career ending. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the, you know, I don't have a problem with these players showing. That's emotion. fine with me. Yeah. Hell, I, mean, I was crying. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I've seen guys, I mean, do some serious. I think, and, I think every, can I, when he got, when he got hurt, and everybody came over there, and everyone saw his ankle yeah. laying that way. Laying I think everybody direction. in our living room was crying. Yeah, I no, mean that—that was, that was one of the worst things Just I've like ever the seen. Kid the year before that broke his ankle, making the cut, Hearns. Yep, he made that cut and yep. did almost the same exact injury. Folded his ankle underneath him. He got pulled down. And you know ankle. that uh, this year that tackle's illegal. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, yep. you can't kick your leg. Yep. No, no, you can't not kick. You can't grab somebody, which I know nobody can see me online doing this, but you can't grab somebody by the shoulder pads and use all your weight to fall back on top of them because that's how Pollard broke his leg. That's how Dak broke his and many other players because when you're running, you can't control where your feet are. Right. And if you get some guy that's 250 pounds that grabs your shoulder pads, and just falls well, it's back. It's almost like the horse collar. Yeah. Concept. So you're, they're you're making they're making that illegal this year. Yeah, they're going to talk about it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I bet it gets thrown out. Um, yeah, they got a couple of things they're going to talk about. Most of it's incidental and stuff, and we talked about it. Whether pitch it's count. You roughing the passer and stuff like that. Pitch count and stuff. Yeah, pitch count, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think uh, I think what, you know, free agency, it's almost over pretty much. I mean, guys that are getting signed one-year deals. Yeah, we're on, we're on the end There's of no it. more. The only player out there that has big-time potential. Odell. Is Odell Beckham, but I think a lot of teams are just – they got question You think he, he goes all the way into the season before he gets signed? Or you think somebody finally says, all right, we're going to sign him and figure it out? No, I think somebody's going to sign him. I think somebody's going to try to figure out a performance clause. Maybe after the draft? Maybe. We might see that. Or it just may be. And, and you know, we don't see a lot of these workouts. And maybe there's just so much – that's changed and that people are seeing that now nah, he from doesn't my, have it From anymore. what I hear, his workouts are not impressive at all. Well, and, and if it's that noticeable, that's probably going to be – that's probably going to be – He's going to be one of these guys get pulled in during the season because of need. Yeah, and then he's going to get exposed if yeah. that's the case. I mean, it's kind of like Des Bryant when he came back from that, that ankle yeah. and knee injury. He still he does, but he can't move the yeah, same way Des did. Anymore. He couldn't do what he was doing. And yeah. he couldn't get separated. And then when he was trying, he got hurt again. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it, you know, unfortunately, that does happen to certain players. Um, but. Well, so I was going to ask you this the other day, but I figured I was going to wait till the podcast. Uh huh. Did you get to watch uh, USA versus Japan in the uh, World uh, Championship? No. Baseball Classic? No. So, I mean, obviously, it's all just really MOB players. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, the best. Yeah, most. It's the quotation 
best MLB players for USA, but it's really the best MLB players that are willing to travel and go play right. in the Classic. Right. So it's not the best players in the world, because the best players in the world that play baseball are in the MLB. Right. Well, so Japan, you know, Japan's, I mean, that's their number one sport is baseball. Yeah, I think so. It is. It's yeah. even bigger than soccer over yeah. there. So, uh, and it was funny. We're sitting there watching this, and uh, my wife says, she goes, man, just imagine USA lost to Japan. She's like, when USA is the biggest basketball place. I said, the biggest? I said, no, we have the best players. Mm-hmm. I was like, Japan, that's their biggest sport in their entire country. She was like, really? Yeah. I was like, Yeah. And so, I was like, you have to understand, look at all the players that are pitching for them. All the players that are playing for them. Like, they're the, some of the top pitchers in the entire uh, MLB. Yeah. I'm like, you've got the MVP from last year closing the game out for them. You know, this dude hit all game long, then went and pitched. Yeah. And finished the game. And so, in, you know, you Darvish was – the uh, starting pitcher, uh, he was either starting or he was relief, one of the two. I didn't get to see the first two innings. And in the classic, they could change pitchers that early. And so, you Darvish, I come in, I think about the third inning, you Darvish is pitching, and uh, he's doing really good. I mean, he's, he's always been a good pitcher. Yeah. But he's doing really good, and uh, they're winning three to one. Comes now up. He's playing for Japan? Yeah. he's from Korea. Yeah, he's playing for Japan. Oh, really? No, he's from Japan. I thought he was from Korea. No, he's from Japan. Okay. So he uh, he comes up, and because uh, I remember when the Rangers signed him, yeah, they had to go to Japan to yeah, talk to him and his Japan, family. But I thought he was actually yeah, because actually they talked to his family to yeah. get him to sign the contract because out of a respect kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, they had to pay more to Japan than they did to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they paid more to the Japan team than they yeah. did to him and yeah. hell, he had a 250 million dollar contract. Yeah. 6 year 250, I think. Something but like so yeah. I I don't think he started, but I think he relieved from like the 3rd all the way into uh the ninth. I think yeah. he played 3rd to ninth. And uh, he was doing all of his crazy pitches, you know, he's got all them. Yeah. You know, I mean, hell, he's got what 12 pitches. Whatever. Yeah. Something. So he's sitting there going at it, and they're winning three to one. I mean, really kind of sitting us up and putting us down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then we get a guy comes up. We got somebody on a, a coming up, and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, he's one of the top hitters in, in MLB or whatnot. But he comes up, boom, smacks a home run off of him. So he actually hits three foul balls. All the way into the upper deck. But they're foul balls. Yeah. And then you just keeps going at him with the same damn pitch (laughs) over and over. And he finally gets a hold of it and puts it in the upper deck and gets a home run. So now it's 3-2. Well, so then they take you out in the ninth and they bring in – because we get them out. Boom. One, two, three, they're out. Uh They take you out in the ninth. They bring in uh, Shohei Hotani. Yeah. Who, MVP of the MLB League. So, right. he's the best baseball player in the world at the moment. Right. He comes in. He had been batting all the way up until the seventh inning. Now, he's coming in to pitch. So, he comes in. First guy gets on base. First hit. First thing he throws, gets on base. 
Second guy comes up, and I'm trying to remember who they are, but uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. They come in, throws it, boom, double play. Gets yeah. them both out. Well, now Mike Trout comes up, who is what arguably the best best hitter in MLB, right? Maybe other than best Aaron American Judge. <laughs> Maybe another than Aaron Judge. Yeah. Who hit, what, well, 65? I, actually, I would take Trout over Aaron Judge. So would I. Trout's and, a five-tool And player. aren't they teammates? So, and right. I'll, I'll tell you. Trout yeah. plays for the Yankees? No, 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 not Judge. Trout oh, and uh, Otani. Otani, yeah, yeah. So, and I'll tell you another stat that's crazy after this. So, Trout comes up. Otani shows him. It's a, it's a ball. Yeah. Shows him again. He hits it. Foul. Then another one, ball. Then he comes in, and these are all 96, 98, 96. Yeah. Boom, 102 fastball right down the middle. And Trout, I mean, Trout swings hard. And I'm thinking, I thought it was gone. Missed it. I'm like, damn. I'm like, boy, if he would have got a hold of that damn thing. Yeah. Next one, 103 down the middle. Man. And he misses it. Yeah. Strikes out swinging. Did you know out of the 1,600-something at-bats that Mike Trout's had, he's only gone down swinging three times his entire career? Really? Yeah. He's either gone down from a strike that's hit the plate and he didn't swing, or he's hit the ball and it's grounded out or something to that effect. A swing and a miss. So I'm talking about a swing and a miss. Yeah. Three times his entire career. 1,600 plate appearances three times his entire career. Well, he's played longer than that, right? What? 1,600? In in 1,600 plate appearances, he's only has three strikeouts from swinging. Has he struck out 1,600 times? Oh, I have no idea. Because he's played, what, 10 years now? Got to be getting close. So, I mean, he's probably getting but he's what, also been hurt. But he's also been hurt a lot of years. Yeah, but he should be averaging, what, 500, 600 at-bats? But he's been hurt a lot of years. Okay, that I'm just kind of kind of curious of how that stat was tracked because he's batted more than 1,600 That's times. what they brought up. Yeah, there's got to be something to that statistic that shows in that situation or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, it was something about 1,600-something plate appearances. He's only uh, struck out swinging three times. Okay. But I know that that because he's he's played 10 or 12 years now. Yeah. So he should have way more. He should be close to five or 6,000 plate appearances. Yeah. And so uh, that, that one right there. No, you know what it was? It's swinging three times three at a pitch. Three straight times? Three straight times at a pitch. Doesn't have to be consecutive. That's the only time he's been struck out swinging three, three straight times. So struck out swinging three times at a pitch. Okay. That's what it was, and that's only the fourth time in his entire career that's ever happened. Okay, which seems crazy as that many times crazy. as he's been well, up at bat. Some, there are some, there's some crazy stats out but there. But like you said, I mean, as good as that guy is, yeah. you know, I mean, he's in my mind. He's got to be one of the best baseball players in this generation. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh, he's, he's never, he's he's never gotten anything he's, out of it because he stayed loyal and stayed to that team. No, he's definitely – I know for many years he's been the best – Player. Player. And uh, 
you know, unfortunately, the Rangers have been so bad for so long, I've lost interest in watching baseball. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just – I think it's hilarious. Our local media has been trying to tout the Rangers and everything they've done, but then all of a sudden this last week, well, we're going to have five or six guys on the DL opening the season. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, you know, they went out and got all these pitchers that are coming back from injuries, and it's like, yeah, it's the same old Rangers. Tell you show me something, I'm not tuning in, dude. I'm yeah. sorry. It's just I've watched this mess for 10 years, you know, and it's just the same old Rangers, you know. Uh, so I, I I haven't kept up with baseball like I, I used to love baseball. And, unfortunately, it just watching the Rangers just – John Daniels did such a number on that organization that it, I lost Didn't they let him go? Yeah, they let him go and they brought in uh, – uh, Something young? Yeah, Chris Young yeah. is the general manager now. And uh, I think this year, I think I'm gonna give them a chance. I uh, haven't watched them in. Bruce shit. Bochy is the head coach. I don't think I've manager. watched them in. Five, I don't think I've watched the game well, the, five the only years. The grace is they got rid of John Daniels. Yeah, I don't and think so, I've watched yeah. them in five. Because here's what happened. I, I put it this, they I get rid of Nolan Ryan. So when Nolan Ryan came in, what did he do? He made the team pitching first. Yeah. Before that, what were they? Home run, home run, home run, home run. We had to to outscore you, right? Had to outscore you. Then we bring Nolan Ryan in. We became about pitching. And what happened? We go to two World Series. Then we get rid of him. And what do we do? We go back to the same old crap. And it's home run, home run. I mean, hell, we're scoring eight points a game, but we're losing 15 to eight. Yeah, well, it's that – but I think I think this year I think I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to start watching them again, uh-huh. just to kind of see what happens. You know, just because I love baseball, I love watching baseball. Yeah. But I want somebody to root for, and I damn sure ain't rooting for some other damn team. Yeah. So I, I want the Rangers to be good. I just yeah. don't want to go to the games and they suck every time I go. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I mean, there I, were some just, exciting games me and you used to go to. Yeah, I, John Daniels, just to me, his philosophy on building the team, I just never agreed with. And really, when Nolan Ryan came in and it changed to where they put an emphasis on pitching, that got me interested. Yeah. But really, under John Daniels' regime, I, I, I really just couldn't stomach watching what the Rangers were. Well, all they were were offense, and that doesn't work. Sluggers. That doesn't work. You know, and horrible. defense is actually Absolutely. better than offense. But in actually, baseball. their defense is horrible. I mean, it's god awful to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just. I mean, like I said, it just basic fundamental defense, and that team as a professional doesn't have it. Yeah. I've seen girls softball teams have better defense, and I'm not. This is not a joke. It's not an exaggeration. I would be in. Embarrassed to put a team out there at a major league caliber to have such a horrible defense. Rudenego Door, I don't know how the fuck that motherfucker made it to the NBA. I mean, NLB. Well, he beat he the shit horrible. out of what's his name. You know, and he hit home runs. Joey Gallo was another horrible player. Yeah. I don't care what they can hit. They These motherfuckers can't play defense for shit. Yeah. And to sit there and watch balls go by. Through, you know, Swiss cheese infield, just watching grounders that should be routine caught yeah. and just flat miss or pop flies that should be caught because he makes doesn't know you, where the fuck he needs to be. Yeah. Makes that, you miss. bullshit. Makes you miss that world, those two World Series teams. Because, man, they were, they were so good. They were good at everything. 
Now they had they had an all around team. They but were good what, at everything. Like I said, and they John were fun. Daniels they were fun to watch. They, ma- they made seven or eight years. They made long. watching baseball fun. Yeah, you know, because they you could know, they could sling and, it out with people, and they would play defense. And and I really thought, I really thought after Nolan Ryan got there, that he would change his philosophy. No, nope, no, he he's the problem. Yeah, he went right back. He was jealous. And of then Nolan he goes Ryan. where? Yeah. Houston, and yeah. what do they do? Win World Series after World Series. Yep. And how did they do it? With cheated. pitching and defense. Oh. They got average hitters. Oh, I thought they cheated. Oh, well, even that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey I'll take works, it. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm sorry. It. I would be embarrassed to put a team like that. Even yeah. when Kennedy was the same damn way when he was here as the general manager. Yeah. I mean, they, they just have no It was all emphasis. about hitting. All they want is sluggers. Yep. And it's embarrassing to watch. It's like, yeah, home run. runs are fun to see, but when you're getting your ass kicked, it's not fun anymore. And I, and I don't care if they went out and got the groom. I don't care. Until you show me something, I'm yeah. not watching. Yeah. I've seen this mess. I'm going to watch them this year, and I'm going to see what happens. Just because I love the Rangers, and I want to see what happens with them. And I hope they do do good. But you'll know within the first probably 15, 20 games, like, uh, well, the same old uh, shit. It, you know, it's – you know, watching this team from – I've been watching them for, you know, well, on and off for 40, 50 years, whatever, sure. how long they've been in existence. And, you know, when Nolan Ryan was a pitcher here and they had a good lineup and they, they tried to compete, you know, but they were trying to build the team right. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny Oates came Yeah, here. he pretty much came in and said, look, yeah. you build it with pitching. Yeah. Johnny Oates came in here, made them contenders for I a mean, while. they made it they made it to where – I wanted to watch defense. Yeah. Like when Cliff Lee was out there, you wanted to watch him work. Yeah. Or CJ Wilson. Wilson, you wanted to watch him work. Derek Holland, you wanted to watch him work. Rogers. All yeah, yeah. You wanted to watch him work. Or uh, Colby Lewis. Yeah. These were all of those guys were top guys, and when they go out there, you're like, okay, they're going to be able to go at it. Yeah. But you know, it's. Like I said, it's just a horrible philosophy. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. It's you never have work. to have a balanced team of you baseball. You got to have pitching to win, and pitching's always won in the major leagues. Yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, did you get a chance to watch NASCAR last week? Uh, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but uh, I did get to uh, see some highlights. Yeah. And uh, I actually don't want to talk yet about NASCAR last week. I want to talk about NASCAR two weeks ago. Did you see what happened then? Which race? William Byron, the first William Byron win. When he won all three stages? Yes. Yeah. See what happened to him? Oh, they got, uh, yeah. yeah, They all got in trouble. So they they, all got penalized. Yeah. Did you see what it was? Uh, For a luber on the spoilers. Yeah, it was just a vent. A vent, yeah. A vent. Yeah, and all, all four Hendrick cars All four, penalized. not just that. All four, and the crew chiefs got penalized for a month. Yes, right? so crew chiefs are suspended for a month. Yeah. All racers were fined $100,000. Yeah, crew chiefs suspended for a month. All racers fined $100,000. Um, they were all docked 100 points. Yeah. Which it doesn't matter if you win because you're already in. Yeah. But it does when you haven't won. Yeah. No, you got to – yeah. So Now, the yeah. only one of the Hendrick drivers that didn't get in trouble is Chase because he's he injured in and he's not racing. He but his crew chief 
did get suspended, but his team didn't lose any points because Josh Berry is the one that's racing, and he's not a NASCAR drive or he's not a NASCAR Cup driver. He's an Xfinity driver. Right. So no point deduction happened to them, but Gustafson did get suspended, so he's out for a month. Now, did I saw they appealed that, which means that they can actually still come to the track and do their daily duties until the appeal gets rejected. But get this, here's a funny thing. I don't know if you saw this one. Justin Haley's team bought a car, car engine package from Hendrick. Yeah. He got suspended in trouble too because he had reason? the same thing. So, so it had to, to have been something when they were fabricating that yeah, stuff. There has to be a spec that, that got work. fucked up. Yeah, but to have that many cars yeah. and to be the all the exact and, same. And here's the funny thing. People are like, well, they're cheating. It's like... Well, well that's racing. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, if you, ain't, if you ain't cheating, you ain't racing. But in, in Kyle Larson's words, he goes, I don't really know how just a small little vent is going to make a difference in the game. He's like, when William Byron dominated everybody at that track, he's like, but he's like, NASCAR is going to do what NASCAR wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's like, and that's where we're going to go. He's like, but I didn't have anything to do with it. He's like, I just drive the car. But he still gets fined $100,000. Yeah. You know, and that just comes wow. with the game. But I just thought it was shitty that Justin Haley also got those penalties, and all he did was buy the damn car. Yeah, so, yeah, that was something I, I they, they brought up in the broadcast. That, and, uh, yeah, they said. And then they come out, and William Byron dominates and wins. Well, he don't dominate, he wins, but he wins, he wins again. Next week. Yeah, he wins yeah. the next week. And then, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> No, yeah, I am because I remember. Yeah, they had a wreck that knocked out three of the Hendrick cars last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, or was that the one? Because Logano won. Yeah, Logano last won. week, and they're actually in Austin uh, this weekend. This weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it was next week. Nope, Coda's this weekend, which kind of sucks because I wanted to go. Yeah. Because uh, I went the first year they came. Yeah. But since Chase isn't driving, I'm like, well, do I really want to go buy the tickets? Because they're expensive for one. But oh. I was like, do I? Yo, well, they're, I mean, about a hundred bucks or something. Oh, that's but I was bad. like, I was like, you got to get, you know, you're going to end up having to get a hotel room. Yeah. You know, because the race is going to end about five, six o'clock. I mean, you could technically drive back. Yeah. But it's like, well, if you want to do the whole weekend, you're going to have to have a hotel room. Yeah. Now, Chase isn't even driving, which he won the first time they went there. First time that we went, Chase won. It's Sunday, right? Sunday, yeah. We Sun- go down on Sunday and come back. Yeah. Not. Good. I don't know. Something to talk about. We can figure oh, live Live from Coda. Yeah, live from Coda. But, yeah, they're in Coda this weekend. But uh, cause I think last year Chastain won, didn't he? Pretty sure Chastain won. I can't remember. But you see, uh, so we talked about two Didn't weeks. Did it rain the whole time last year? No, it no. rained the time before that. No. When, when I was there, when I was there, that's when Chase won because yeah. Chase got the lead. He led for about 15, 20 laps, and it just downpoured. Yeah. And they were like, okay, because they had done already red flagged the race about three times, let it just sit there. They put on rain tires. I mean, they were sliding everywhere. Yeah. And they finally were like, okay, we're seventy 
5% of the way done with this race. Chase had the lead. He was 13, 15 laps in the lead. He had pulled way off from second place. I think second place might have been, uh, and it might have been Larson, to tell you the truth. Yeah. It was one of them. And, uh, but he was way off. And it just started downpouring and thundering and all this. And they called it. Yeah. And, uh, but heck, I saw, yeah, Martin Truex, his car blew up in front of where we were. So we were in turn 12, which is the sharpest turn. So that's where they come in at the highest speed and have to slow down to damn near 20 to 30 miles an hour, take the turn, then continue on. And uh, Truex comes flying in. His car's on fire. Don't know where that happened. He came down the back stretch on fire because you can't see the whole track. Yeah. He comes flying through there on fire in the rain, jumps out. I mean, it was it was it was a, it was a really cool experience. I would definitely go back. Mm-hmm. But it is a gigantic track. It is huge. But yeah, it it was really fun. But so last week, apparent, and I did not see this because I didn't watch the whole race. Because I mean, when we had so much crap going on last weekend, I, I couldn't I sit there for this podcast. Yeah. But when your favorite driver ain't there, it's really hard to sit there and watch the whole thing. You know, whenever you're like, well, I'll watch highlights. But, so, last week, uh, I guess Hamlin turned Chastain at one point. So it, Well, it was... It, it so, was Ham, Hamlin, Hamlin's was side Harvick. of the store. So, well, Harvick, Harvick did get... got t- turned by Butcher, Boucher. Busher. Busher. And they thought until they went back and watched it, he didn't hit him. But he did. No, he didn't. He just got uh, he got air, up to arrow him and knocked air, him up. Air picked him up. Yeah. And made him so lose. apparently what had happened is and this is coming from Denny Hamlin. So nothing was gonna happen, nobody was gonna get in trouble. Yeah. Denny Hamlin gets on his podcast, which apparently podcasts get you in trouble. So hey. keep it down, Max. All right. Fuck so he gets on his podcast. And he admits that I was getting sick and tired of Chastain hitting me. So Chastain apparently kept just bumping him just over and over and over. And they have history. Uh-huh. I mean, past two, especially last year. This was last week's race? Yeah. Especially okay. last week. Or last week. Last year. They had a huge yeah. history. So apparently he ends up turning Chastain. Right? Yeah. Well, so he gets on his podcast and he admits he turned him on purpose because Chastain just kept beating on his door just over and over and hitting him in the back over and over again. Yeah. Which Chastain is known to be an overly aggressive driver. Okay. Which granted, yeah. I didn't Bush. I did well, I think worse than Bush. Okay. Because Bush can control his car. Chastain can't necessarily control his. There's been plenty of times where Chastain's come in. And he hits a car and just spins them. Right. I mean, last year he was nonstop apologizing because oh, that's my bad. I I turned him. He's like, yeah. I got to get better at that. Yeah, you got to get better because hell, if that was me in that car, you're about to get punched. You yeah. know, and that's what's happening. So he turned Denny Hamlin last year, I think, three times. Yeah. I mean, and each time he's like. Yeah, I'm sorry. I bumped into him and turned him around. Well, Denny Hamlin kind of just let it go, let it go. Then 
it got into the playoffs. Well, actually, before the playoffs. Chastain's trying to come through the field. Well, he had done already done this to Chase twice, done it to Hamlin three times. Yeah. So, in this race, he turns Chase, puts him in the wall. So, here he comes trying to come through the field. Fucking Hamlin goes and gets in front of him, will not let him pass. I mean, he slows down to bare minimum speed. And everybody's still racing. And Chastain's like in fifth. He's trying to go. Hamlin's blocking him the Uh whole time on bare minimum speed. He gets around him. Hamlin nips him. He keeps going. He gets to Chase. Chase does the same thing. Gets in front, slows down to damn near nothing. Yeah. And just, I mean, ruined his whole race. Then by the end, I believe it was Chase, turns him and puts him in the wall. Yeah. You know, just showing him like, hey, you keep doing this, you know, you're going to get your get your payback. Yeah. So then here comes this year. You've got – and that happened three different times with Hamlin. Yeah. Hillman, Hillman Hamlin got into it multiple – he won the race and Hamlin went and turned him around on the finish line and then got out and they got into it on the finish line. Yeah. Here comes this year. We're what, four races in? Yeah. Three races so in. Four, at five, this eight, At this yeah. time, three races in. So he's bumping all over Hamlin. Hamlin gets tired of it, gets behind him, turns him around, puts him in the wall, and finishes his day. So Hamlin gets on his podcast and starts talking about, yeah, he's like, he hit me, kept bumping me, kept roughing me up. He's like, so I roughed him up, put him in the wall. NASCAR penalized him, fined him, and took points away. Yeah. Over a podcast. (laughs) What do you think about that? You think they should be able to do something like that? Or should it be how NASCAR's always been and they take care of their problems on the track? Uh, well, today in today's age, with... Don't want to offend somebody. With the way, you know, NASCAR is a business. So, and I think if you didn't have the internet, you didn't have all the media, the social media you had... Yeah, they probably would. They probably been able to sweep it under the rug, and just say, "Hey, how it used to be." You, 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 you guys knock it off. Yeah, to where now, used to you when, get into it enough, they put you a in a hauler. They put you in a hauler, and they're like, "Hey, both you of know, you guys work this out now." Yeah, you know where, uh, you know, you're admitting it on a podcast on social yeah. media, whatever. Which was say, a dumb move. That's I'll a dumb move. And all yeah. that, you know, it just it doesn't set well with the league. It doesn't set well with all right. Uh, you know we got to we got to do something about it. We got to nip this in the bud. Yeah. And so it, it's it's just you know a new age. I mean, if you think guys are not going to put each other in the wall over being pissed off, well, I mean you'll never to, take just that don't away. Admit to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say don't admit to it. Yeah, just do it. You know, oops, slip. You know, yeah. hey, you know, I yeah. mean, Dale Earnhardt was what it, was what did uh what did Joe Logano say last time when he put uh Hamlin in the wall? Yeah. That's just rough racing. Yeah, you know he, he didn't. R- r- I didn't mean you, to. Just, just rough racing. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just so, gave him a bump. You know there was something else during the broadcast that was brought up, and I've been saying this about NASCAR. Uh, that I don't know if this is a sign that we're about to see a change that's fixing to happen in NASCAR, or because. NASCAR's slowly but surely losing some sponsors. Here, it's it's hard for you know. I tell you, so you say that, but this year, this year, I've noticed that NASCAR has the most fans I've seen in a 
very long time. Well, now I don't know what's bringing that on. Well, and and for whatever reason, who knows? Maybe the whole COVID thing and people are getting out more. I don't. But know. See, but see, even before that, me and that you would go to races, up. and we're like, "Where the hell are all the people?" I think used it, to. I think it these was, things become cyclical. Just kind of goes in waves. Yeah, but I do think so. Last week, you mm-hmm. know, they consider Atlanta Motor Speedway a super speedway now. Yeah, and which aren't they? Turning Texas into that yeah, this year? everything a mile and a half is considered a super speedway. But Well, they're repaving Texas. Yeah, so what's, what was brought up is they didn't allow the drivers to practice. They haven't done that for three years now. So And, and so the super speedways, they don't do that because they right. say it's too expensive. And it puts too much the, – the cost and putting the car in too much jeopardy. Right. And so I'm beginning to wonder, uh, because at that point, I've got to think, well, I don't care what it costs. I think it's more along drivers. Or they don't want to do it. Is it more along drivers? Or is it one of these things where they want the, which I don't, I'm not going to argue of it's not being a bad thing. I think it might be a good thing. I think it's a fine thing. Because it also takes out some predictability. Yep. When you watch these cars from the time they roll in on Thursday... They have to fix it during the race. Yeah. So they start Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They get five practice sessions mm-hmm. in some of these tracks. Yeah, they've got long. their car figured out before yeah, you so even the get out there. cars are so dialed in by the time the race is Sunday. It's a blowaway. And so... Oh, I got something else once you... Once you, uh, you know, so there. I'm beginning to think maybe this is what they're thinking is, like you're saying, and I'd rather see that. I like that it too. It, it, the only time you get to run... Maybe give you like it's 10 when you're laps. on the track doing something. Yeah, but don't let don't let these cars race with each other. Yeah, because I don't want to know how your aerodynamics is working. Yep. And then on top of that, give them so many laps to qualify, to practice qualify, yep. and then you do your qualifying, and then from there, we don't know what the hell your car is going yep. to do come Sunday. Yeah, I like it. And so, and I'm beginning to wonder if that's one of the changes. That's I think that to so all that actually tracks. happened three years ago. Well, they, During you know, COVID, I, they, right. they didn't let them practice. Right. And then they but, realized it didn't make a huge difference no, because these to. top players, these top teams, figured it out during the race. Yes, well, maybe. How hard maybe. Are they really maybe. Drive these cars well, maybe. Exactly. So maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't so, have the best car starting the race. Yeah. But as they go, they figure it out. And as they use the pit stops, they get going. Because well, really, for about what? It. About two years. Two years before COVID, the COVID years, two years before that, pit stops didn't really mean anything. Yeah. It was mainly a way to try and move yourself ahead. But if you're making adjustments, like I feel like it was back in the day, adjustments mattered. You know, before, after that, it didn't matter anymore. Yeah. But now I think they do matter again because you don't get the practice. So you just have to kind of guess. Yeah. And then the day of, you get one practice and then you got to qualify. Yeah. And then that's it. You can't touch that car again. Well, I, I'm like I said. I think I think there's got to be certain things. That's kind of like teams to me in pro sports sports teams practicing against each other for three or four times before and they, then they play, play each other on game yeah. day. And it's like All by right, then they're ready going. to rip each other's heads yeah. off. And yeah. it is it almost. I mean, and it used to not be that way. It used to be they yeah. qualified because 
you think about it, if they're doing five practice sessions at some of these tracks, they're putting just as many laps in that practice as, as a damn race. race. Yeah. So, yeah, I get the cost factor. Yeah. And, and, like and that. I think, I don't even think it's cost. I think it's the drivers. Because when you don't yep. have practice, they don't have to be there. Let's say you're a cup well, driver. Well, to fill in the program. Let's say right? you're a cup driver. You yeah. don't have to be there till Friday. Right. If you're practicing, you're there Wednesday. Yep. All the way on. Yep. So your Wednesday whole week, your yeah. damn near your whole week's taken up. Right. And I know that's what all the drivers said after the COVID year, the 2020 year. They said, we want to keep this no practice schedule because we don't have to show up to the track right. until Friday. Well, you know? like I said, I, I like the fact that if it creates I like it. Uh, I like unpredictability, it. I'm for it. Now, because it shouldn't be – we shouldn't know – and, and we I shouldn't so know who's going to win before the race happens. Yeah, I, I get so tired of these announcers coming on. Well, this guy was the fastest car four days out of five in practice. Yeah. Then well, he sucks. Then he sucks. Yeah. yeah. Or he because, dominates. Because he, because he doesn't know how to fix his car. You know. Doesn't know how to change it. Or whatever. And it's like, you know, well. Because there's a qualifying. I be surprised. Well, there's a qualifying setup and there's a race setup. Right. You know, the, they might, especially like the races that move from daytime to nighttime. You might have a dominant car in the beginning of the race, but once it starts getting dark, your car is going to change because that track's going to change. Yeah. You know, and well, that's, that, that's why I like you. this. And you tell me your opinion on this. Stages. People, there, there's a lot of people that love them, a lot of people that hate it. I personally love the stages uh-huh. because here's my deal. How many times have we watched a race to where it's like, you got 100 laps left, you're like, well, fuck, this race is over with. This yeah. dude's gone. You know, barring a yellow, this race is over with. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we gone to Texas and Kevin Harvick's done lap the field three times? And you're like, we might as well just go home. You know, and it's like stages prevent that from happening. You have to be, keep beating these guys over and over again. Well, there's also something else that they did last week at Atlanta. So they reversed the track in Atlanta, what, five, six years ago, where – the start-finish line is now the backstretch. The backstretch is the start-finish line. Okay. But what they did do this race... Atlanta has two different turns, right? What do you mean two different turns? Their corners are different, right? One and two are different, and three and four are they the same? Uh, I'm trying to remember what track I'm... I think it's like I'm, narrow on one end and larger on the other, but that might be darling. One of them, I'm I trying to remember. Atlanta's There's one of them Texas. that's like that. One is small and one yeah, is I big. Yeah, I think Atlanta's that's closer to Texas. No, Darlington is even. Uh, but... So they did something last week. So they moved the commit line to go into start or into the pit Pick. roll. It's actually on the back stretch. <coughs> so if you overshoot it or if you speed, so if you it's need actually to, a two lap. If you penalty. need to pit, you got you have to come down on the back stretch. Yeah. Which created over- which created a unique scenario because you had like three or four cars that got penalized for speeding. Mm-hmm. On pit road. So which, if that happens, you get a two. Yeah, stop because penalty. you got to go all the way back around. Take your okay, stop okay. back in, so, so you lose two laps. So the first of one. one counts, and, and there then was you a couple go. of them that that okay. got penalized for it. And I thought that was interesting. See, I didn't see that part. Uh, but and, and so I mean, I th- I get what NASCAR is trying to do. They're they're trying to take out. They're trying to make rules. Yeah. That effect. You're trying to make every track different. Yeah. And make make it to where you're having to pay attention to the whole race. Yeah. Where and so you're not just starting off the race, tuning out for an hour and then coming back. Yeah. 
And I thought it was interesting because you had four or five drivers that got caught in the in the yeah, commit yeah. and speeding. And now stuff I'm sure and some might have been top name guys. Oh, they were. There were some. I mean, uh, you know, Blaney got caught in it, but I think he turned around and, and unlapped himself and caught back. I yeah. think he finished third or fourth or something like that. Something like that. But you know, the race started out with Logano dominating the first leg. He went, yeah, he got stage lap. one. He led uh, all, Keselowski all, got two, and then he won the race. He, and he passed Keselowski on the last lap. Yeah, and uh, so, but the way the way the race unfolded, they couldn't get the bottom to work for nothing. Really, on the high side was working the whole time. They were just running the wall. Everybody's running high side. They try to come running up. the wall or just high side. High side, not no. the wall, but the high side, and uh, and it, that was the only that was the one that was really working. The low side, they were you know they would try to they, they you know they tried it, they tested it, yeah. but they just couldn't pass on the low side. Just too until, much speed until it started getting late in the race. Then the bottom started working. Okay, so it did is that how Logano ended up. Getting the lead, so Logano. He got on the last he, lap, right? So, yeah, so Logano led the one the first stage. He got second in the second stage. Uh, so actually, he pretty much had a dominant actually, car. Actually, Cindric won the second stage, I believe, right? I think it was Cindric that won the second stage. But no Logano was second, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if Logano pulled the old veteran move and moved back. Yeah, and then just disappeared for like fifty laps. Did he? I mean, nowhere to be seen. He was like 30. Man, as, as much as I don't like him, Logano is a damn good. And then driver. all of a sudden, with about 60, 70 laps, just moved to go, up through the field and got them know, all. He comes right back in and he was running fourth, well, fifth. Remember, they used to do that, Chris. Kislowski. He led the majority of the third stage. Yeah, Kislowski was trying to keep it, but he couldn't hold it. And then when he had to commit coming out of out of four on the back stretch. He went bottom. Logano went high and got him, him and, and slingshot past him and won the race. But yeah, I mean it was So did Kozlowski end up getting second? Seems like it. It seemed like he got second. Uh either him or uh Amarola, he took hell, he was running on like seventy laps Who? on on a Amarola. Really? On, he didn't take oh, he tires stayed a couple out there. times and he finally blew a tire and that cost him. Uh but, yeah, he stayed out there trying to, you know, Harvick took the lead for a lap and then got turned around, and he got loose and got turned around. But, uh, you know, Stenhouse got out there, but he got erratic once he got in the lead. He yeah. got he, he he wound up wiping out. Surprise. Um, but, yeah, it was a good race. What chase But did? it was uh, – Logano kind of showed that old veteran – all right, yeah. I got the best car it's crazy, here. Crazy, crazy now. now that Logano is the veteran. Yeah. Because wasn't he then, the annoying rookie? Yeah. That's how I remember him. But then he all of a sudden, it's like when the, the, that last leg starts. He's like, all right, he's time like, to go. All right, I'll let all the shit get out of the way. I'm going to sit back here and let you guys, you idiots, run over. You remember, that's what they used to yeah. do. The top no, guy, he, the top guy would get all the way to the yeah. front, and he'd be like, yeah, I got him. And, and he'd he, move all know, the way to the back. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, and – I'm sitting there going, where the hell did Logano go? I thought something. And then happened. all of a sudden, here he comes. Yeah, and then you know you see his name on the on the ticker. And you're like, damn, he's in twentieth. And then all of a sudden, you're like, then you're like, they're like, shit, he's in sixteenth. And then twelve. Slowly but yeah. surely, he, you know, you had some wrecks that happened. Two big wrecks. Now, that tell me, tell me, you saw this? The hair implants. Oh yeah. 
Does he not look weird? Yeah. I kind of like him more with him balding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he does have. Yeah, I told Sam. So he gets. So he wins Daytona. Yeah. He gets out, and I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what in the fuck is. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I was like, Something is off. That's what was different. Yes, hair implants. I was like, something that is off. That was something. I was because I'm was like, because he was balding. Thought, he yeah, bald, no, was bald. I was, yeah, that's what was different when he after the race. He said and his hair was brown. Now it's and, black. And I'm sitting there going, something's different about him. That's What's it. it? I, I didn't know. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with him? I was like, Sam, come here, come here. She comes in. I was like, that's Logano. She's like, where? I was like, on the screen. That's Logano. And she goes. What? She goes, yeah. he got hair implants. I was yeah. like, that's what it was. I'm like, I knew something was off. I'm like, yeah, that I is, I, I, that's I, I what it is. Was so was over like, the off season, he got hair implants. I looked it up. He did. He got uh-huh. hair implants. Which, granted, if it makes you feel good, go do it. But, man, when you're in front of that many people, whew, that takes some guts to go yeah. do that and then show it off when you take your helmet off. Because he was... I mean, he was bald on top. Yeah. I mean, I th- I ain't gonna lie. I thought he looked better bald on top, to tell you the honest truth. Right. It just looks weird now. Yeah. But, I mean, if it makes him feel better, then, you know, do whatever you got to do. But, yeah, I, it was weird. I was like, what yeah. in the fuck? I'm like, and watch this dude win championship. He's going to be like, I want to thank my hair and my doctors. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, hair plug for me. Yeah. Whatever. But, no, he, no, uh, he you it, know. He's been he's been having a really good season now. Granted, I think Chastain is the points leader, because um, he's had the most consistent season even yeah. without winning. Yeah. So apparently he's been in the top every single race. Um, Byron was up there, and then he got hit with that hundred point deduction, so it dropped him down to like fifth. Yeah, but he's already in it because he's won yeah he's in it. So yeah. also, did you hear about Chase? So. Broke his leg. We talked about that already on the podcast. Right. Uh, already talked about our displeasure and uh, sadness. Well, my sadness. Yeah. But um, did you hear what NASCAR said? Mm-mm. They said, so, since you are a cup champion, you were going to get a almost like a veto to where when he comes back, if he can get a win, he's eligible for the playoffs. So he can okay. still come back, get in there, and still win the well, championship. Well, if it's one winning in, what difference does it right. make? Right, and that's what they said. And never competes the rest. They of the said year. they said that that uh, luxury is only going to come to champions. Well, so, I mean, we've had this conversation the way NASCAR treats their champions, and they uh, just don't promote them. Well, I mean, well, Na- I will tell you rookies. one thing: NASCAR, and we've talked about this, blue in the face. Yeah. But NASCAR does not do a good job of promoting their young drivers no. or their top drivers. They no. think they think all we got to do is show a picture of Chase Elliott and we're good. It's like, no, yeah. you've got to show the – like, you would never know. So when Chase does interviews, he's the most stoic, no, no sense of, of human ability – he acts like he has no sense of humor. Nothing. All he does is answer the questions. The only time he does a good interview is when he's pissed off. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when, when he told, uh, was it Denny Hamlin or was it uh, Kyle Busch? It was one of them. He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, 
I really don't want to comment on that. I just want to wish him a uh, merry off season. Yeah. You know, because he's the one who knocked them out of the playoffs. Yeah. I think it was Denny Hamlin. Because Hamlin kept yeah. kept wrecking him, wrecking him, wrecking him. And then he put Hamlin in the wall. No, it was it was Kevin Harvick. That's who okay. it was. He put Kevin in the wall, blew his tire, and took him out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, I don't want to really talk about it. He's like, but uh, he's like, I want to wish him a merry off season, right? Yeah. So that's the only time he does a good thing, uh, does a good interview is when he's pissed. Yeah. You've got to start you now they have kind of done a little bit with uh, Austin Dillon cuz Austin Dillon does have his own reality show. But that's one driver. It's like you've got to promote these guys, like put them out there. All those guys, I've met these guys. They yeah. all have personalities. Put them out there. People will like them. What have we always said? To watch NASCAR, you have to have a favorite driver. Right, yeah. you're gonna be bored if you don't have a favorite driver. You're just watching cars go around. Yeah. But if you have a driver that you're like, okay, he's moving, he's coming up, he's moving. Right. Especially if you're at the track, you can watch him move through the field. Yeah. If you've got a driver, then you'll be invested. You've got to promote these guys so people become their fans, and that is their driver. You know, you have to do it for the younger younger drivers for sure. Well, we've had that conversation, and I and I and I'll stick by it. I think, I think letting these NASCAR drivers race in the in X, uh, Infinity in the Truck Series, I think shouldn't it's wrong. happen. It shouldn't happen. Well, because they dominate. Be, yeah, it needs to be. You know, you commit to one series, and that's it. Stay there. Stay there. Yeah. Let, let the developing Kyle Busch shouldn't be about to win the championship yeah. in both. No, it, it shouldn't. I just you know I get why they do it because they think it's going to draw more, but I think yeah. it would be. Serve better interest so people can see and then the promote drivers. those younger people. Yeah, if I see a guy that comes up and we do see it, Chase did it. I mean, there's yeah, I know, mean, there's plenty of them that can do but it. But it's like we only see it like once every ten years because somebody they, who wins in yeah. every division. Yeah, yeah, but, it's rare. Typically, what happens is they become a bigger name. Yeah, like what Noah Gragson. Yeah, he he was on he was on the cusp. Of winning the championship for what three years in a row? Yeah, he never won it, but because of how good he did, he moved up to Cup. Right now, granted, he is a fan favorite and people like him. Yeah, but it's not because NASCAR blew him up; it's because he blew himself up. Yeah, because he got out of his car and when he was pissed at somebody, he would go confront him on the on the pit lane. Yeah, and if they had a problem, he'd punch him in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, what he got—he got caught in two different fights, didn't he? I know at least one where he knocked—he he punched Harrison Burton and knocked him out. Yeah, but you know, you know like I said I think. But they—they need, they need. We talked about it plenty of times. They need to promote these younger guys and girls because yeah. yeah. there's girls now. No, I you got to promote like them, especially the promote series, the girls. I like to see the truck series be like a. Kind of like a just a pure rookie two three year or like a triple A double A major league yeah. and, and and then from there you graduate to the next and in all one. honesty that is how they treat it anyway yeah because what are they what happens when a driver gets hurt they go and pick somebody from the lower yeah. league yeah. Josh Berry is the example granted he's a great driver and I'm they fine go and pick with that to fill in for a driver because it's not the other way around yeah I mean that's like saying these pro players going in and. Alabama is their 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 college, yeah. and they call them and say, "Hey, 
I uh, hurts. Yeah. I need you to come throw in this uh, yeah. this it, championship it, you know, game. Yeah, it's it it's not right. It's not fair. No. To me. Now, granted, I, I, I know see, it's a money thing, see, but you know, I I want to see how you compete against your own own classmen first. Yeah, and then from there, if you can stand Move out, up, then then like you said, know. like you said, there's not a lot that's done it, but no. there are ones that have done it. Yeah, that go from because what are, Chase but, won truck championship, Xfinity, yeah. Cup. But then you got guys like J.J. Yaley, who keeps giving this guy a driver's license, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he was a yeah. great USAC driver, but uh, I'm sorry. This dude's been in NASCAR for 20 I mean, years, I'll tell you what. And he's never even That guy right there him. hasn't done anything. And then you got guys like A.J. Allmendinger, yeah. who has won races as a fill-in driver. Yeah. They even had When's a couple the last years time there where he won a couple of races a year. Yeah, and this is his first year in what six, seven, maybe ten years yeah. that he's had a full ride job. But yet, like you said, you got JJ Yaley, who hasn't done shit. Now, granted, when he came up to Cup, he was the next greatest thing. Remember, everybody's talking about he's going to be the next Kyle Busch. He's yeah, this whatever. and that. Hasn't amounted to shit. But like you said, he's even finishing the top ten ever. Like I don't think so. <laughs> but like you said, he's never lost his spot. He's yeah. had that that he's car all, forever. He's that it's like, driver. and you're trying to tell me you couldn't find somebody nope. else? No. Nope. Yeah, gotta stick with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it some of the makes some no of the crazy sense. stuff with NASCAR that I just. There, there. You know, to, to me, there's a lot of loyalty that runs you know, in NASCAR. You got Forty drivers, and to me, not even you got thirty six. Well, you got forty drivers to make the race. No, you got thirty six. No. Yeah. You got 40 still. No. When it's not that big of a field. You got 40 that try, Well, but some get sent home. Well, it used to be Remember, 43. Remember, it used to be 43. Yeah, but... No, it's did, like 36 to 32. Just lock the field. You know, forget Put all this. Put them all in there. Yeah. Well, and even not that, just lock the field. Because it's pretty shitty to bring them to the track, let them qualify, then tell them, no, nah, you got to go home. Well... It's like, why? Because so, you can't fit... So, let's fit. Say, say the old format. You had 43 drivers... 45 are qualifying, so two are going home, but the two that are going home are the ones that have no credentials whatsoever. Yeah. Unless they post an ungodly time, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, because they have nobody helping them pay yeah. for the car. And to me, just lock the field like you lock a football yeah. team down. Put this them down. This is my driver for the year. All of them are going to make it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Qualifying is qualifying. Or nowadays, which they're smaller, because we've done yeah. 43 car fields. Right. Say every single car is going to qualify for the race. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me it's because of skill because there's a lot of drivers that go out there, car tore to shit, and the race is on the line. You're letting them sit out there race with shit flying off the back of the car and causing cautions, and you let them go three different times before you finally tell them, okay, get off the field. Yeah. It's like, come on, you can't tell me that's the reason. Well, Let them all go out because now I think it's, it's 36 drivers, if I believe right. I thought it was 40, but it, I, I don't know. I don't think be. they get that high anymore. But either way, to me, if it's 36, it's 40, just lock the field down. Let them every all race. Team, every team has their driver. We're not qualifying to find out who's making the race. Qualifying where you start. Where you start. Yeah. You know, that's it. To me, that's, yeah, it's dumb. Let them you all know. race. The fucking track is big enough. Yeah. Well, it's just, if it they get lapped, they get they fucking lapped. now. Yeah. I mean, because they're, you know, it's about sponsors locked in. And I, I I personally think if I knew I was locked into a race, 
I'm a chance kind of coast around. Yeah, sponsor is going to be a lot. Hell yeah! Then knowing that because what happens if you get in there and you start in 40th and you end up in 20th? Yeah. That sponsor might come calling. Yeah. But if they never get the chance, because ain't no sponsor watching qualifying. No. It's like if they never get the chance, they will never get in there. No. And what happens if you actually have a talent out there? Because it's not that they suck. It's that they don't have a good car. Right. I mean, you trying to tell me that B.J. McLeod is going to keep up with Hendrick? No. There ain't a chance in hell. Well, there's only so many. You know, you got half the field that's actually legitimately can win the race. The other half are just lucky to be out there. Yeah. I mean, but and that's, if they but win, that's it's a miracle. Sport. That's with any sport. Though. Yep. So, um, but anyways. See, you've been reading the uh, Bill Walsh book. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I've got uh, Bill Walsh book is written in the 90s or something. You know, I don't. Well, that's too old. We don't yeah, that's probably not relevant today. But it, uh, the book's called Building a Champion, Bill Walsh with Glenn Dickey. And it's basically, in Bill Walsh's words, of how he built the 49ers in the 80s and uh, where the concept of what we know today of the West Coast offense came from. And for those out there, what you're seeing today in the NFL all this was predicated in the 80s, what the 49ers were doing. Now, the difference between today's NFL and the NFL back in the 70s and 80s, the scheme players, the successful organizations brought players to fit the schemes, so to speak, to where now we start seeing that a quarterback, if he doesn't necessarily fit a certain scheme, the offense coordinator, the head coach, will adjust to that quarterback's ability. Whereas with Bill Walsh, when he was the offense coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals in the 70s, they had a stud quarterback, and this kid gets hurt. He was 6'4", whatever, you know, the, you know going to be the next – whatever. He gets hurt, tears his arm up, and just never recovers from it. So Cincinnati had to go with their backup, which was a kid named Virgil Carter. Now, he was a smaller, shifty guy, had not a strong NFL arm. He had, you know, just an average arm. So Bill Walsh, as an offensive coordinator of Cincinnati Bengals, had to figure out how we're going to make this work. So he adopted or he adjusted an offense – a custom offense that fit Virgil Carter's ability. So, and they were very good with it. And then they drafted Kenny Anderson, and he learned basically the West Coast offense. But then Bill Walsh, as the success goes, he he goes on, moves on to be a head coach of Stanford, then winds up becoming head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And – you know, and, and what this talks about basically is he now he's got a chance to implement this scheme. He implemented it at Stanford. They had some success. So now he's implementing it at a pro level where he's got total control of the team. Uh, Carmen Policy gave him full reins of the team. Eddie Lombardo Jr., the, you know, they were behind him 100%. Uh, because San Francisco in the 70s, early 70s, they competed – 
for NFC championships, but they just couldn't they couldn't get there. They they would lose get to Dallas, the they'd lose to Minnesota or something, and then yeah. they just kind of fell off. So they were bad for four or five, six years. And they were a laughing stock of the NFL. And Bill Walsh goes there with this concept that I think I can, you know, he can implement this thing. He didn't think he, he felt pretty good he was going to be able to do it. And so he comes in and they had, you know, the, the original owner before that and the general manager before that had traded off all their key all the key players. They had OJ Simpson after he had blown out his knee. They traded for half their damn draft picks the year before. So they didn't have a number one draft pick or anything like that. Right. So Walsh comes in and he's trying to figure out what's the best guys to get. He's got a few guys that he can keep, and then he's got to draft guys. Well, the first draft, he takes Dwight Clark in the uh, he second round. He doesn't amount to shit. Huh? He don't amount to shit. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he's a receiver. <laughs> you know, he's a big, tall receiver. And then he takes Joe Montana in the third round. And, and you know, and slowly Thank but surely, they keep adding parts and pieces. And, you know, within three years, they wind up getting back to the Super Bowl and winning. Well, the difference was with this – West Coast offense is it was so different than the way the NFL was played. Now, mind you, this also came after the fact of when they made the changes, the Mel Blunt rule, to where you couldn't basically mug a receiver unless the ball, you know, you could mug a receiver until the ball started was helping the wide receivers. It, it, yeah, it opened up to the passing, so the game changed. It also changed the concept that he was emphasized timing. Throwing the spots and getting the ball out quickly and taking what the defense gives you. That concept was new. Uh, most teams were very physical, defense heavy. Defense were winning the championships. And so what he implemented, and he took somebody like Joe Montana, which no one really looked at him as being a top. He had an average arm. You know, he didn't have a strong – uh, stature as far as body-wise. He's only like 6'2", but weighed like 185, something like that. So he didn't fit the prototypical 6'4", 220-pound quarterback. But Walsh, what he did was groom Joe Montana to be what this position had to be. And obviously, you know, you can go back and watch and you can just see the skill set. Now, there, there's probably... So how much of it is to give credit to Bill Walsh? How much of it was Joe Montana would he have developed it? I think it goes hand in hand. He found the right guy to make this work. Bill Walsh also looked at the draft as a way of a of, of revolving door of how do you always improve your team. You know, he looked at trades. He looked at all the things. But he didn't look at Joe Montana as a Hall of Famer. He wasn't. He he didn't look at a first round draft pick. Not as, at that time. I'm drafting a Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, that, it, it just everybody I mean, played nobody, a role. Yeah. A nobody purpose. does that. Yeah. Everybody played a role and a purpose in his team. And so when they win one Super Bowl, you know it takes them a couple of years to win another one, then a couple of years to win another one. Uh, but he learned each time he had to change certain aspects of the team because the league would start catching up to, to him. To build up to, to the build league. Up, you know, they get Jerry Rice after they win two Super Bowls, and Jerry Rice becomes the ultimate. When it started moving towards wide receivers other than running backs and running quarterback. Well, I mean, it just, you know, now he's now he's he's perfecting this offense. And by and this by time, time, has he already he lost? Jerry Rice and he's John already Taylor. lost uh, 
Joe Montana and he's up to Steve Young? No, he's still got Joe Montana. Oh. So they get Joe Montana. He gets him for one more Super Bowl before Bill Walsh steps down. And and then George Seifert takes over the next year, and they go back-to-back. From 89 and uh, – let's see, 88 and 89, they go back-to-back Super Bowls. But they were so fine-tuned in those two years. I mean, it, it was like – who knows how long? Now the only yeah. problem was Joe Montana was having back problems, so he the physicality was causing. Him they to already slip drafted this. Steve Young. No, or well, Steve they, Young by this yeah, time. By this time they had Steve Young. They traded for him. He played in the USFL. They traded for him from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay oh, was well, he's a no shit damn team. Good if that's the team, you if know, that's the team he played. And for. he basically did the same thing with Steve Young. But Bill Walsh knew he had to move on from Joe Montana because getting too old. He was getting too old. He was getting beat up. So he made the move, or he, he felt they had to make the move, but it ultimately it, it didn't come down to that for him. I think it was too hard for him to do, and I think that's why he retired. Joe? No, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh? Bill Walsh. So I think it was too hard for him to pull the Montana trigger. ended up going to Kansas City? Kansas City yeah. and wind up getting to another AFC championship. <clears throat> oh, did he? I think two years in a row before he finally hung it up. Mm. Uh, so he sucks. He, you know, he's got that. You he know, sucks. Montana was, you know, Montana was the. So the, he's the, the Quincy hit. Carter of the old age. Oh yeah, absolutely. Man. And uh, so Bill Walsh retires, but the disciples that come from the Bill Walsh tree is magnificent. I mean, which is crazy because as another top tier coach, yeah, Belichick. Yeah. His disciples suck. Yeah. Because I think it's a system. Is it because he doesn't kind of share all his info with them? It could be. And maybe Walsh did? It could be. Walsh he He allowed them to learn under him, and Bill Belichick was like, you ain't learning shit under me. Yeah, so the guys that came under Walsh. That's that's an interesting thing. You know, Hogram, Mike Hogram, you you name it. I mean, these guys – Man, that's, an inter- that's an interesting thing. I mean, I bet if you look back from the time Walsh won his Super Bowl, or just George Seifert how many, the first How many one, underlings? How many came, underlings won Super Bowls under Walsh? And then moved on and still won. Yeah, and then and then went to other teams and won Walsh. Bill Bellick for for Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I, I bet there's every bit of 10 or 15 of them. Well, then why, yeah, why did Andy it work? Andy Reid's another one. Why did it work under him and doesn't work under Belichick? Could it be the type of coach they are? I don't know because maybe Parcells he Maybe is, he allows them to learn. And I don't know because Parcells, Belichick is a Parcells disciple, right? Yep. But, but Parcells disciples have gone on to win Super Bowls. Not just Belichick, other yeah. guys that, that, you know. So maybe Belichick just doesn't know how to coach his – well, either I that don't know. or that, or he has so much control. I don't know. It, it's 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 got to be something. There's something to that because yeah, there's these guys to go, go to the other teams and they just because I mean, how many times have you know. seen people it is, hire bad. hire his coaches yeah, as head coach and they suck? You know, Sean Payton's a Belichick guy. Yeah, Jason Garrett was a Belichick guy. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Parcells guy. Sean Payton was a Parcells guy. Yeah, all uh, of them. Are you know, good. Uh, Tom Coughlin. Was All a Parcells them were good. guy, you know, and I, you know, and I, other but then you start naming Jason off Garrett. Bill. He didn't win a Super Bowl, but I mean, he was coach of the year one year, five or six. That, that he was coach of the Parcells year one year that won Super Bowls. Yeah, it's coach of the year. Yeah, 
And then you start naming off Bill Belichick's disciples, and you're like, man, these dudes suck. Yeah, they usually don't last two or three years. I Which don't know why. There's something to that. Yeah, I don't know why. You know, so it's got to it's got to be the way that it's got to be the way the coaching coaching happens. Either they work together, maybe Walsh and his team works together, or yeah, you know, like Parcells and his team works together, and maybe Belichick and his team don't. I don't know. Maybe he's you got know, too much creative I, I control. I can't take away what Belichick has done because Belichick has won everywhere he's gone except for Cleveland. Yeah, but he also had Brady. Well, but he also won two Super Bowls. With Bledsoe? No, with uh, Giants. He was the defensive coordinator when the Giants won two Super Bowls. He wasn't a head coach, though. He wasn't a head coach, but what I'm saying is he's gone. He's, he's, he's been associated with probably about ten Super Bowl wins. You know, if you if mm-hmm. you know at least nine or yeah. how many? Well, he won six, so eight. Let's just say eight that I know of. So he yeah. actually has more rings than Brady. Yeah, theoretically, yeah, theoretically. But like I said, and he was the top defensive guy from the eighties all the way up. Yeah, everybody knew that. Unfortunately, when I mean, he his got defenses to were always good. Even yeah, when in- he got to Cleveland. They just wouldn't give him the latitude yeah. to do Would what Wouldn't give he him the do. reins. Yeah. And, you know, and we talked about that, that, you know, but like I said, getting back to the book, Walsh set a standard that now today what you're seeing is the reflection of what Walsh envisioned for the NFL. And, you know, and he learned under Paul Brown, who was an, a visionary back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, the game kind of caught up to Paul Brown. He probably was a little old staying in the league as long as he did. But a lot of the scouting, a lot of the stuff that you see that the team still do today is credited to Paul Brown. He won. So he played in a in the AA, what was it, AAFL back in the 40s, which we get like the Philadelphia Eagles from. So it was another, it was another professional league. Yeah. That had like eight teams. But what Brown did with the Cleveland Browns in in that era, they won all four championships. And they got brought into the NFL along with like the Philadelphia Eagles and a couple of other teams. Yeah. And, and, and so that added to the NFL at the time. Because the NFL, and then he went on, to win championships I in say, the NFL. I say, hell, in the NFL, the only person dominating was the Packers. Well, back in the four, yeah, back in the forties, the Packers, the Bears, and stuff like that, because you only had like ten teams. I say, shit, Packers but won they, what they, first they, three Super Bowls? Well, that's in the sixties, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, back in the forties, when the NFL is trying to figure this out, and other leagues are out there, you know, like I said, uh, you know, Bill Walsh is a disciple of Paul Brown. And Bill Walsh probably has more disciples out there. The biggest coaching tree there is, like I said, I guarantee you at least a third of the coaches that are coaching today probably I come think from that, Walsh's. That probably shows the, I, it, the aspect of a coach more than Super Bowl wins. Oh, it's, it's incredible. You know, it's actually incredible. Because to, to me, what we just talked about, there's something yeah, to that. The, the amount of coaches – that come from that. That's what I'm saying. You're you're naming off like every name you're saying is yeah. a top tier coach. Yeah, Mike McCarthy. How come? From how him. come? 
when it comes to Belichick, who's considered the greatest coach of all time, how yeah. come that doesn't happen under him? I, I don't know. I can't explain. Unless he just keeps all this information in his head. And I don't know. I wonder if that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, it, it makes it, no sense. It, it's, it's, it's you. It's interesting to see that. But like I said, what Bill Walsh was able to do, yeah, with his team, like I said, is exact reflection of what you're seeing with the NFL today. There's no adapt. It, it, yeah, they were able to adapt. They changed the game in the eighties. Yeah. Now, well, Walsh because went, they went from a running team to a throwing team, right? Well, they threw via the short pass as a means, West Coast. Yeah, which became the West Coast offense, yeah. which means they would throw five, five, ten-yard passes to which control is essentially the clock, a run. Which they treated it like a run. Yeah, and that totally Why run the when dynamic, you can yeah, you can already get totally your five yards. The dynamic of the game because then you had to stop it. Then then you had they had smaller, agile offensive linemen, but they you know they would do you know a lot of pull blocking and things yeah. like that. Wasn't they weren't. The physical guys that were going to blow you off the line of scrimmage necessarily yep. till they got a little older, a little bigger, and they started adjusting their scheme a little bit as they kept drafting better and better guys. But it, it was just the, the whole philosophy about it. I, I mean, it, you know, he's my favorite coach. Okay. Even though I know, you know, I think – Not Jason Garrett? Oh, no, not Jason oh. Garrett. But he was my favorite quarterback. Anyways. Oh, my God. But it just – and, and I've read several books about Walsh, and it just it doesn't matter what book you pick up. Yep. It's just like all of a sudden he's teaching you something that you just never looked at. You're reading, it, it, you're reading, and you're not even realizing you're being taught. Yeah, you're being taught something, but you're also just well, that's so simple. But yeah. yet it's been sitting in front of you hey, for ten years. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And that's a real concept. Yeah, and so, but it, and like I said. No longer did you have quarterbacks running around for seven seconds trying to find somebody yep. open buying time. No, Montana got rid of the ball two and three seconds. Yep. Five-step drops. Very few yeah. seven-step drops, believe it or not. But they did take their shots. They believed in When they needed it. When they needed it. They, 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 they usually – Yeah, because, I mean, I remember a ton of highlights of yeah. Jerry Rice getting hit deep. Yeah. But it's probably because they've been daggering them yeah. all game long, yeah. and then short, and then all of a sudden, them, wham. They'd find them in a situation, and it'd be there. Yep. And, you know, and it's like, I, I mean, Jerry Rice, to me, is the best receiver to ever play the game. I don't know if Even more than Michael Irvin? Yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever going to catch him. But well, nobody will ever catch him. He played for 30 damn years. Okay. All I know is he wasn't a fast receiver. And he had to learn. He's had hands. He had good hands, but he wasn't great in his rookie year. He had to learn how to catch in the NFL, believe it or not. He had a terrible rookie year. Yeah. But once he put it together. I mean, hell, this and, dude was what? How old was he when he played for Seattle? 46, 48? No, I don't think he was that old. This dude still caught eight to nine touchdowns in like 700 yards. Yeah, I mean. It's like, how does this even happen? You know, but grandpa's whooping you. Everything, everything that was said about what a receiver needed to be. Jerry Rice was six two. Yeah, weighed a buck eighty five, and was considered slow. He was everything against it. Yeah, but yet when you saw him, he was always wide open, and and, and that's that's what changed. Couldn't cover him. They couldn't cover him. 
route running became a critical thing mm-hmm. in what these receivers were doing. Yep. That complex. So, Michael Irvin, it was all about physicality. I'm going to push you out yeah. of the way and get the ball. To a certain extent, yeah, but Michael Irvin was a good route runner. Yeah. Uh, because by the time Dallas comes in the picture with Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman, what the 49ers are doing, everybody's doing now. Because they had it, to go find their They had to go Jerry find Rice. it. But, so they took a version, what the Cowboys did in the 90s, they took a version of what San Diego was doing and also a version of what Bill Walsh was doing and marrying those concepts together. Yeah. And there again, route running, and, and you know, Michael Irvin was physical enough they could get away with certain routes and things like that. But ultimately, what Bill Walsh was able to accomplish. From a standpoint, the way he treated the draft, the way he treated players, you know, he he, he wanted play, you know, once, a, you know, like I said, Walsh, Parcells, I mean, you know, there's several coaches, Jimmy Johnson, they all have the same certain aspects when you start reading about them. Once you're my player, you're my player. Well, it's not so much that, but they've got certain things in common. Like once a player starts getting hurt, they know it's time to replace them. Yeah. They know, they know the game. They understand it. They Don't let your emotions get in the way. You know, and then like Walsh, Parcells, Johnson, they believed in finding three-year starters in college. That transitions so much more than finding that one-year one, year, one to, hit wonder. The less less things you got to train that because you see a consistency. Yeah, you know, and it does. And when you look back at this stuff and you start realizing, well, hell, that's so simple. But yet, yeah. how many teams don't follow it? They'll they take a receiver that had one great year. And he gets because they're hoping they find the next Jerry or uh, Randy Moss, you know. And and like I said, yeah, every now and then you do find a guy like that. Every now and again, but how many guys do you miss on because all the signs were there that says don't draft this guy? Yep, not at this round, but and, and Bill Walsh just know what he wanted in every player, every position. Yep. Everything. It didn't matter what he was looking for. He knew exactly what kind of player he was looking for. And he would take stuff that people wouldn't see. Well, you're like, what in the fuck? You see something on film, you know, and, and, you know, he drafted small college guys. And you're like, why? You know, Jerry Rice. But he always saw something that would translate to what he was doing. He was looking for people that fit his scheme. Exactly. Yeah. And, And that in itself wasn't new. I mean, Tom Landry ran a scheme. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. The, but he just continued and continued and continued yeah. to do it over and, and over and, and, and you over. Know, a lot again. of teams in the 70s still ran schemes, mm-hmm. you know, where Vince Lombardi ran a scheme. It was just a very physical scheme, yeah. you know. Punch uh, you in the mouth. Yeah. And so, but then you had, you had other coaches in the past, like George Allen, who coached the Rams – didn't get to a Super Bowl, but he goes to Redskins, gets to a Super Bowl, doesn't win it. But yet he was one of these guys that you just take your draft picks and trade them and go find the guy that's already on somebody else's team. Free agent, draft Well, kind of, but there really wasn't a true free agency like you see today. <laughs> yeah. But he was one of those that veteran players play. and But yet – Screw the young guys. Yeah, but the problem was with George One Allen's year team, after your thing, him. you've got to pay everybody. Well – but back then, that wasn't a problem. Oh, the, no the, salary cap. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the problem is with George Allen's team, he liked these old veteran guys, and he'd find good players. problem is they'd get through the season and get to those playoffs and Disappear. run out of gas. 
Yeah. Older players. You know, and as like I said, like Philadelphia, they re-signed all these guys back that they could, but the ones they signed are all 34, 35, 36. At some point. That How long are they going to last? Where Bill Walsh understood. He started looking for their replacement either when you got made, yep. a major injury. He was looking for Joe Montana's replacement once Joe Montana had back surgery, which was like his fifth year. Yeah. Okay. He was looking for the replacement for for such and such because he, you know, you know, didn't blow a knee out, was having knee problems or something like that. It was, you know, and then by the time they were 30, he was already, their replacement was already on the team. I mean, I, yeah. I think this guy probably could have coached for 40 years and probably won a Super Bowl every five years easily, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, he didn't. Uh, I think, like we've talked about before, people like Bill Walsh, Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, you know. Sean it's a different Payton, breed. They're a different breed, but they also have a, a plan and a vision. And when that plan and vision, once it comes, they, they like building. Yep. They get off more on the building and winning it. And once they get there, it's so, like, okay, I did that. So now do you what? think? Yeah, now what? Yeah, now now I'll give I'll give credit to Belichick. Now he's He knows what to do once you build it. Yeah, he, he can keep it going. Yeah. You know. So if you had a choice, like even on Madden, you get to pick your coach, right? Yeah. You get to pick a money mongle where they have all this cash. Yeah. Recent player or a team builder? Yeah. What would you pick? Team well, the builder? team builder had long. If it, if it was real time, real, yeah. real, Ten, real life. You know, Bill Walsh was a team builder. He did this with players nobody looked at. So could he build a team didn't know what to do with it? Could he or build he, a team that didn't know what to do no, with it? No, could he build a team he didn't know what to do with? Or did he know what to do with it? He knew what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, he was taking guys nobody So he's was saying, all right, at. this is what I'm going to do, and these yeah. are the guys I need. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and you know, so, and, you know, at some point you start seeing uh, he understood he, he needed the quarterback, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. But in Phil Sims was the top round draft pick, but he knew he, he felt like there was no what way he could quarterback. get him. What his quarterback? He couldn't get him. Oh. He didn't have a first round draft pick. So. Steve Young? No. Steve Young wasn't even around yet. Like I said, so they took Montana in the oh, third. Oh, Montana. Okay. Yeah, they take Montana in the third. So Montana and Sims were drafted the same year? Yeah. Okay. Sims goes to, the, goes to the Giants, and that was before Parcells is there yet. Well, I can tell you one thing. I would rather listen to Montana any day on these damn sports talk <laughs> things than Sims. Yeah. I but, cannot stand that guy. But, you know, and he saw enough with Montana that yeah. he made, you know, like Somebody I said, made the right would decision. Would Montana have been what Montana was without Bill Walsh? I don't know. It's always a hard argument to me. You That's think he built like, a team around him? Yeah, they built a team around him, but they, you know. But he excelled. Yeah, he excelled. And the characteristics of what the team was, you know, big wide receivers, 6'2", 6'3", wide receivers, not necessarily fast, but guys that yeah. knew how to run a route. And catch the ball. And catch the ball. You know, at, you know, running back by committee at some point, you know, uh, they did. And then a tight end, a quality tight end. Uh, you know, and then an offensive line that could just flat block with angles. And, and a defense that got after you. They weren't. Really physical as far as big and physical. They just got after you. 
Yeah. And they were headhunters. And, you know, and it, and it worked. I mean, they, they set the table for what the NFL – I mean, once teams realized they couldn't beat it, they joined them. You know, and there was, there was several – you know, through the 80s, you had one AFL team that won the Super Bowl. All the rest were NFC teams. Yep. Three by – well, four, I guess, theoretically, by, uh, by Walsh, two by Parcells, three by Gibbs, and then one by the Chicago Bears. All right, so if San Francisco was adapting that philosophy, what did Dallas do? Did they copy that philosophy, or did they create their own, or did they make a mixture of everything? When In their heyday, like 93, 94, 95, those years, what did they do? So it was... So the template that 49ers set in place, and then Dallas had to duke it out with the 49ers in the, in the yep. 90s. You know, in the, in, in the 90s, are rolling high. They, were, they were both. Yeah, they were both the top one A, teams. One, one B. Yeah. It didn't matter. Either one of them going to win. One the of them's going to go to the you Super know, Bowl. Four, you know, out of, out of the four years they won Super Bowls, yep. it was, you know, one Dallas three and 49ers. And, you know, Green Bay got in the mix there. But once what I got Dallas far. did, that was a little different. Right. Green Bay once they got far. Yeah, once they got far, but it took it kind of took the decline of the Cowboys and and then San Francisco. Just nobody could stand up to those. No, teams. they they those those teams in that four year juggernauts were, were were head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, uh, and so what Dallas did under Jimmy Johnson, Johnson emphasized speed. Okay, especially defense. You know, it was it was just emphasizing the speed on defense, and then it was. On offense, it was physicality. The offensive line is go out. Punch somebody the, in the mouth. Give me, you know, so like San Francisco's offensive line might have weighed 285, 275 Dallas pounds. Dallas going to be 350. Dallas was 330, 340, yeah. 350. So Dallas said, all right, we'll just go one bigger and be more physical. And they did. And – you know, in got him a for, for for a while there, it, the, all the argument was Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, yep. Emmett Smith. You know, uh, Ricky Ricky Waters. Yep. You know, he he was the running back. I remember at the time. Yeah, Roger Craig might have been yep. gone by then. I can't remember, but it was always a comparison. Then defense was Merton Hanks, Darren Woodson, those kind of things. I mean, yeah. there was all, Ken Norton. The teams are up, so damn close. Yeah, they were so close, but yet they were different with how they played. And Dallas just had a better team. Yeah, Dallas, I, I think for that core, for those four years there when they were competing, going to the NFC Championships, yeah, they, they flat destroyed teams. And, they, and it wasn't that they came out of nowhere – it was everybody thought it was going to be the next year, and they won it. They won it in '92 when nobody was expecting them to win it. And then to me, '93 they were a better team. Yeah. And once '93 rolled, '93 rolled around, everybody thought they were going to win. Yeah. No, it was it was it was. And yeah, then they just came in and smacked everybody. Yeah. And then you know you had and, and the thing about it was you had Buffalo on the AFC side that had gone four times in a row. You got their and, ass whooped by the every, Cowboys. Every AFC every <laughs> NFC team they played in the Super Bowl wore their ass yeah. out. And it was what Cowboys and 49ers, wasn't it? No, it was, it was Giants. I know the Cowboys Washington, beat them twice, right? It was the whole NFC East that beat whooped them. Whooped them. <laughs> you know, it was the Giants, Washington. 
Cowboys, Cowboys. Cowboys, Cowboys. And, you know, in the Giants, that was the closest one. A missed field goal cost them, but they didn't compete at all and against Dallas. Dallas beat the or, shit out of them. Yeah, Dallas, yeah. Dallas wore their ass I had, I had all those out. games recorded yeah. on VHS, which, if anybody's listening, VHS is uh, what you used to record live TV on using a VHS player, and then you could turn back and watch it, it again. A, it was a cassette tape. So you for your TV it with a tape, cassette tape for your TV. Yeah, and uh, but yes, I I had I had so my grandfather recorded every game from '91 all the way to '98. Yeah, and I still have every single game. Yeah, Pro Bowls, Super Bowls, and playoffs and regular season yeah. games have every single one of them. Yeah, and just watching it, you're just like, good lord, they beat the shit. Out of Buffalo. Yeah. And I mean, one of the games, it was like 44 to something. Yeah. It's like, good God. Well, you know, in, in the the style of play, Steve Young, he was left-handed, but he was – he was actually, he was more of the what they want today, that scrambler. Yeah. That take off and run. Yeah, because I remember everybody saying, yeah. oh, that won't work. You, you know, know uh, but it worked in their system. And for a long time, the 49ers – it just seemed like in that era when George Seifert took over after Walsh and, you know, Steve Mariucci, it just seemed like they always had a solid team and uh, that competed. Um, now, they didn't win – they haven't won another Super Bowl since, neither has Dallas. Uh, but those teams, what was – what Walsh's system did was it almost made it – like, if you drafted a quarterback today, like one of these kids going today, yeah, I think any, I think Walsh for some reason would make any of these guys work. Where the system like Aikman played under, you had to have a strong arm and be accurate and be very accurate. I mean, it that's just the way the plays were written yeah. up, you know. As far as they were I know, quick passes hitting you on stride yeah, had to I hit know, you right in Aiden the hands. never played under a West Coast style offense. Yeah. Now when Chad well, Daly got here at that time, that was still fairly new. Yeah, but a lot of the remember, cycles had stepped off, so you well, had I remember, probably uh, ten or twelve teams and, playing. Which, like you said, uh, you said Andy Reid's a disciple of that. When he went to the Eagles, remember yeah. he brought West Coast yeah. offense, and yeah. that was the big thing, and that's why they became so right. good, and why they went to their first Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, they got their it, ass it just, whooped, but, but yes, that they went to that first Super Bowl using well, that Brett West Coast offense. Under West Coast offense, really? Yeah, yeah. From Holgram, yep. Or, Holgram was a disciple of Walsh. It he doesn't seem that coach. way because he was Steve uh, Joe Montana. It didn't Steve seem that way because coach. Brett Farr always dropped back. Yeah, but he always had a running back. Yeah. Okay, it's all the West. So Coast. West Coast is always a running back is always your backup plan if you ain't got yeah, nothing. Swing go. pass, yeah. Which hell, so if you, that's you the case, five, then Aaron Rodgers so, is doing it right now. So the spread like you see today is more of an adjustment of the West Coast offense putting five guys out receiving. Yeah. You're just lining them up on the line of scrimmage now instead of having them play two, you know, a fullback running back in the backfield tied in two wide receivers. Yeah. The only thing is, is just the alignment. So instead of having a fullback, you got another third receiver yep. or the 11 personnel. Another tight end or something. Another tight end or whatever. 
and you got one running back, but everybody's going out. They're attacking a certain part of the field. And then what's called the triangle offense, where the quarterback's looking at the top receiver and then starts working his way from left to right yeah. and looking at a triangle. Whoever's not covered, yeah, you get the ball. That's where the ball's going. He's yeah. not throwing it in a, in a hole to say, you know, this or that. It was always, there was always going to be a hole. And it made yeah. it so much easier for a lot of these quarterbacks to become something that, you know, may or may not have been, you know, who knows what some of these quarterbacks would have been. Yeah. I just know that that style has created better quarterbacks for the history of the game. And so what you're seeing with, with Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, even, even uh, Tom Brady, they all use it now. Oh, they yeah. All, that, that is what the game is. I mean, Tom Brady's all. the king of yeah. the check down. Yeah, well, it's not only that. It's just he knows where he's going with the football before the ball's even right. snapped. He knows what you're doing, and and that was the difference between, you know, Montana, you know, he moved around in the pocket. He wasn't a big scrambler, but that ball had to come out. He had he had to beat one one thousand two one thousand three. He was and it was that quick yeah. that his his drop back would stop either on on a one step drop, three step drop, or a five step drop, and that was the rhythm that they played, and and. It, it doesn't sound too complicated, and it and it to me it, it just looked to perfection when you watched it, and now it's just everyday normal normal things. So now you see you know, uh, you know Dak, you know they're gonna they're gonna adopt the whole West Coast offense next right. year with Mike McCarthy. So, and I'm not saying which I okay, think is gonna help them. It should help in the sense that you're not always attacking long, and because Dak Dak's best best attribute is when he's just firing as soon as he gets the ball. Mm-hmm. No thinking, boom, here's the ball. Boom, here's well, the ball. And it's, when it's, he's moving quick, that's his best game plan. And it's, he's going to be able to key certain things so and when he, he can does the that, defense better. When he does that, he's the top quarterback in the league. Yeah, it just seems like to me every quarterback that's played in the West Coast offense, their numbers typically improve. Yeah. You know, well, and, it's and easy like I said – Dink and duck. Well, it's it's a dink and duck concept, but it's it's you know when you've got good players and good teams, and then you can attack long. It's damn near impossible to stop. And yeah. that was the other thing too that Walsh believed in too was you didn't get down to the first and goal at the eight nine yard line and then try to score. He attacked from the 30, mm-hmm. 35 yard line, trying to score, trying to score. You know, I mean, he understood that you know you had to get in there. Well, you, you start and, condensing yeah, that. Yeah, you start condensing the field, it, it starts playing against you. Yeah. And so that's why Montana had so many touchdown passes and things like that because they would attack from that far out, you know. And, uh, no, it, it's it's like I said, it, it's it's worth reading. He talks about having to make the decision and trying to move on from Montana and bringing yeah. it back up. And I personally think it was too hard for Walsh, and that's why he stepped down. I don't think he could pull the trigger – to get rid of Montana, even though Seifert and them eventually did, uh, and Montana goes off and didn't and want to, didn't want to, and, and you know, and kind of got butt hurt over it, and almost got to another Super Bowl, but just didn't quite have the horses. Um, but it takes, you know, Montana's one of my favorite quarterbacks, uh, and it just, 
it's, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's kind of like watching the Bulls in the 80s with what, when they were able to finally perfect what Michael Jordan was going to become, all of a sudden it just changed the damn league. Yeah, it we was don't. no longer a big man league. It was, you know, these power, I mean, these shooting guards creating a shot and just took over the damn league. And, and then, and the problem was the big guys just, now it's, they're totally gone. In that aspect. Well, that's why we don't talk about that shitty sport. You know, but I, like I said, the, the book's called Building a Champion, Bill Walsh. Uh, it's well worth reading. Uh, I would say if you're an avid football fan, any Bill Walsh, anything you can get with Bill Walsh in it, it's it's worth reading because it is he is the godfather of what the NFL is today. All right, so I know that – so we just got done talking about Bill Walsh's book, and I know you've been reading another one. Yeah. About uh, LSU, right? Yeah, Ed Orgeron when they yeah. won the national championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Earl. I can't believe you can understand that book with the way he talks. But what is it about? So it's basically about the coaching career of Ed Orgeron. It's called Flip the Scripts. Uh, tell me it, had, tell me it has some bl- bl- belligerent shit in the middle of that book uh, where he he's trying to... He does have some words in there that are oh, like, okay. I'm not sure what he's saying, but forwards <laughs> by Dwayne Johnson. You might have heard of him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I think I met him at yeah, a NASCAR so he, race. He was coached under him at uh, Miami. Okay. So, uh, Ed Orgeron, actually, believe it or not, he's had an opportunity. So, Jimmy Johnson was one of his first college coaches. Uh, he was a defensive line coach. Most of his career before he becomes a head coach and he under Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll was at USC okay and uh, and then under Sean Payton when Sean Payton was at New Orleans he okay. was a defensive line coach there so he's got a so good, he's been moving in and yeah, out so but he, he you know he's, he's been with some good coaches uh, and he learned some stuff and that's what this book's really about is kind of how he took over. He was an interim coach twice, and each time he tried to take over, he realized he was too soft on the players, that the players took advantage of him, so to speak. I could see that. Yeah. Because he yeah. seems like the player's buddy but in every interview. Was, yeah. yeah. But when he was like a defensive line coach, he stayed on their ass. <clears throat> but he was afraid to lose the team by being so hard on the team, and, and he learned from Which, it. Which, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it is basically, you know, he had a chance at Old Miss. He was a coach there about three or four years, whatever it was. And he just – he, the athletic director didn't like him, and it just didn't last. It was the same at USC when he was the interim coach. Uh, Pat Hayden was the athletic director there, and he didn't offer him the job. And so he eventually bounces around and gets another interim – he becomes <clears> – <throat> Uh, defensive line coach at LSU becomes the interim head coach when uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank now when what's his name leaves and uh, then he winds up getting the head job and uh, and it takes him a couple of years to build the team but the first year the team was kind of soft they kind of got a little lax and then he realized he had to be a little harder on the team. Each year he stepped up the game a little bit. Say, when they were winning, it seemed like he was pretty hard on them. Yeah. So I he, mean, I couldn't understand what he was saying, but it seemed like he was hard on them. Yeah, and they got – so when they went and they recruited – well, they didn't really – Joe Burrow, so he was at Ohio State, 
And, oh, but, Joe Burrow loves that dude. And Joe Burrow, they thought they were going to lose him to Cincinnati because they didn't have any connections to Joe Burrow whatsoever. Yeah, and, but once they won the championship, you saw what Joe Burrow yeah. said. He said, I stayed because of you. Yeah. And so they recruited Joe Burrow, so to speak. He transfers out. He wasn't going to be – he couldn't beat Dwayne Haskins out at Ohio State. That's hard to believe, but okay. Right. Um, so Joe One Burrow of the best quarterbacks literally in the doesn't throw a football in a game for three years before he comes to LSU. Mm. And uh, then just lights it up. And then, yeah, so he comes in. And the first year they come in, they, they had an offensive scheme that was – Kinda, he talks about Burrow in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. They talk about Burrow. They talk about the whole thing. In the first year, it takes them. They realized they had to open the offense up. They had to go to a spread offense with RPO because they were, you know, Max protecting, trying to protect Joe Burrow, let him get back in the rhythm and sink. The problem was he was taking way too many hits and stuff. Sounds like Cincinnati. You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then they go out and they get Joe Brady, who was an assistant. Uh, at New Orleans, assistant offensive coordinator or yeah. something like that at New Orleans. And he was a young guy, like 28 years old, and they said, this guy, you know, bring this guy in. Sean Payton, you know, recommended it and said, yeah, this guy can help you. And they bring in Joe Brady, and they go into a spread RPO-type offense, and it just opens wide open. And all, next thing you know, LSU is just lighting it up. Yep. And, you know, and it's one of those things where – He's not one of these coaches that he's more of a, I guess you would say, more of that rah-rah. You know, he's going to stay on you. He's not an innovating coach. But he's going to cheer for you. He's going to cheer for you. He kind of got soft on the team. He talks about it, how he would take the blame and always apologizing to the media and stuff like that. And it's like, okay. And he almost lost the team over it. Hmm. And But then he kind of realized, okay, you know, if you're going to keep this job – and he learned some things really through Pete Carroll and Jimmy Johnson when he was coaching under them that your practice is going to dictate how you play in the game. Yeah. And that's when he learned that – Be you, hard on them. Well, it wasn't so much hard. It's just be efficient with practice. But if you overdo it, it's going to trans, it's going to, it's going to carry over into practice and you're not going to see the results. And so that's what we see now with coaches in the NFL, even in college. They don't practice near as hard, but they practice more efficient. Situational offense, things like that. And he talks about that, that they realized, you know, they had to kind of back off because you could overwork the team or you could just lose the team mentally. Yeah. And so he, he talks about that. And he, like I said, he kind of learns that from uh, Pete Carroll and, and Jimmy Johnson. But Jimmy Johnson, he what he learned from Jimmy Johnson was you gotta have players that are hungry. You gotta have players that want to win. Yep. That don't complain, that that take everything in stride and realize, you know, everybody's gonna make a mistake, but don't, you know, and so and then you're looking at talent over, you know, from a standpoint, you're not looking just at, you know, just finding the next guy. You're actually looking at a certain talent to bring in, yeah, to, to to be better. And like I said, with Joe Burrow, it's funny because he talks about it and how they. He, he, Joe Burrow said, "I don't want to be recruited. I don't need to be recruited." Yep. But he said, Joe Burrow, that if you come in, even though they had a starting quarterback, that you know, 
I, you know, you're going to be my starter. You just got to win the job. And so he didn't guarantee him the job. He said, okay. And he's in Joe Burrow after, you know, pondering this for a month or two or whatever. And, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron called up Joe Burrow's brother and said, look, the only way he's going to win a championship is at LSU. He's not going to win one at Cincinnati. Yeah. And if he wants to win and get to the NFL. He needs to beat this guy. Yeah. You need to bring this guy, you know, he needs to come here. And so with Joe Burrow's brother helping, you know, helping convincing him, and then Joe Burrow comes in and, you know, in his first year, he doesn't – it's not that he struggles, it's just that they don't quite have the team or or the offensive scheme they want with the personnel they got. And so the next year they bring in Joe Brady and it opens wide open for them. And, you know, what they talk about is how – Joe Burrow was almost Tom Brady-like that he could just analyze a defense so quickly. He knew exactly where to go with the football at every point, when to yep. call an audible, those kind of things. And it talks about, you know, really the best place. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you listen to him after they won that championship, yeah, he even attributes everything to his coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's um, – I mean, the guy, you know, he's been around college. I, you know, I've, I've watched him for, you know, roughly 20 years and stuff. And uh, he had a chance even to come to Dallas uh, under Parcells. Uh, but he took another offer somewhere else. Uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's got connections. He's known as one of the best defensive line coaches there is. Uh and, you know, and it all came together for him. But, you know, the book basically talks about him learning how to be a head coach. He yeah. didn't really know how to be one, you know, and he didn't know what persona. Used to take. being like the player's buddies. Yeah, or, or you know, or well, buddy he or whatever. players when they were like defensive line. But and then he, they say something back and you're like, hey. Yeah, no, and he would, he would get it. And then that's when he realized you got to do this for the whole team. You can't just do this yeah. as a. Got to be hard on everybody. Yeah, you got to be, you got to hold everybody accountable. Yeah. And that's what he did. And then Joe Burrow holds everybody accountable. It talks about Joe Burrow getting in people's face and stuff like As that. As a leader. As a leader, you know, basically telling, you know, Patrick Queen to shut the fuck up and stuff like that. <laughs> did he? And, and, and you know, uh, Devin White, you know, they talking shit and he talks shit back. And and then all of a sudden it's just like it, it, at that point he just started lighting it up in practice. Oh, Burrow? Yeah, and it just was like they never looked Lit a back. fire under his yeah. ass. and it was like then once Joe Burrow took over, it, it was like they, they never questioned So, anything. he pretty much was saying once Burrow took over, yeah, took once Burrow over stepped in that and role, he became the yeah, leader, he's yeah. like, it was on after yeah. that. Yeah, and it was kind of like Burrow had to come out of his shell a little bit because he was, you know, he wasn't used to being a starting quarterback. Yeah. But once he, he started kinda, telling people, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, – so it it, kind of, it talks about that and uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, even Chase Chase said the same thing because how many time or how many years was Chase there before Burrow was there? Uh, Jamar Chase. I think they came the same. I think maybe one year because they both came out the same draft, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Burrow got drafted. Then, then they Chase, got Chase yeah, the right. next year. Yeah. So maybe maybe one year. I remember so, Chase was saying because Jefferson he, was still the better receiver. Or yeah, I remember Chase receiver. was saying he was like, man, he's like Burrow. He's like he commands yeah. that locker room. Yeah, but you know, I mean, Burrow reminds me of Brady from oh, just yeah. how fast he gets rid of the football and yeah. where it goes as far as playmaking ability. 
I mean, in all honesty, I think as far as raw skill, yeah. he's probably better than Brady. The difference oh, is possible. the difference is Brady has the and mind. Brady, yeah, Brady's brain's off the chart. Yeah, dude. it is unbelievable. The processing thing yes. you can't you can't screw. You'll, ne- you'll, you'll never, never fluster him. No, I mean Brady was able to do something that I don't think anybody was able to see. And no. it became such I mean, a obviously, because if somebody did, they would have drafted him. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. They they, they looked at everything but what Brady but had. Burrow has Brady, oh, more yeah, I would skill, probably agree for that, sure. You know, but, I, you know, it's going to come down to Burrow's going to be a great quarterback. He already is. He's already, he's already in that top echelon. Now it's just a matter of how many champions is he going to win, championships is he going to win. I mean, he took a team who's a perennial – Perennial shit team, really. Yeah. And he took them to two AFC championships and beat the Kansas City Chiefs once. Yeah, and almost beat them a second time. Almost beat them a second time. And really, he probably should have because that call at the end was bullshit. Well, but not to mention... He did that basically his only two years he was starting. This first year he got... While he's also getting annihilated. Yeah. Because he has no offensive line. No, like I got to say, and he's and, getting destroyed that's in every I said, game. If they ever find an offensive line. I'm about to say, you just wait until you give that kid time. No, I, he is going to destroy people. I think it's. I think we're about to see this signing of Brown. I think Burrow is about to take over this league. Well, I think he's if gonna they be, can I get an offensive gonna, line, I think he, he's going to be. I think Mahomes is the Aaron Rodgers of this generation. I think Mahomes because is the Brady. Of this Aaron Red. Yeah, but this. see, I don't think I think Mahomes gets away with certain gifts and skills. Well, it's because he's Brady so good. Do it. Well, Brady the, re- the reason it. being is Mahomes is gifted. Yeah, Brady's not gifted. No, Brady had to do it Brady, all mentally. Brady is just smarter. Yeah. than everybody. And else. I think that's where people don't look at. But they Mahomes, see the Mahomes, is, Mahomes is gifted. Yeah, that dude can make a bad pass, yeah. and it's still better. Than ninety percent of the I passes agree. in the but NFL. But I think I think Burrow is going to be the textbook. He's going to make it look so damn easy. So here's what he's I think: probably going to have more dominating career when it's all said Mahomes. and done. Probably. So I think Mahomes and Burrow are the new age Brady Manning. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, and I think I see Mahomes more like Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre type, the guns. I don't. Type. The only reason you say that is because he does take those risks well, and throw it down the there. Risk. But Mahomes is the most gifted quarterback I think I've ever seen. That's possible. Granted, I wasn't around for some of like Starbuck or all those guys, but Aikman, Far, all them. I think Mahomes is the most gifted quarterback I've ever seen play. I would probably agree with that. But that doesn't mean he's the best. It doesn't mean he's the best. He's the most you know, gifted. I think right now he's the best, but I think Well, Burrow, that's because his skill yeah, gets him out of I a lot of trouble. I think Burrow, once, once they figure out that offense, Burrow line, is the more well-rounded I, I th- quarterback. I, I think they're going to be a force to deal with if they Burrow ever is the more him. well-rounded yep. quarterback. Absolutely. I mean, he he is a 100% quarterback. Yeah. Mahomes, yes, he is the most gifted, but yeah. he has holes. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, he, he'll, he'll, he'll holes, take so. chances yeah. that you don't need to take. Yeah. Burrow doesn't do that. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. To I me, mean, he, he reminds me of Brady, 
Brady don't take chances. No. If it ain't going to work, I'll check down. I don't care. But he's always, it seems like no matter what the score is. Winning. He's always in the game. He's always in the game. Yeah. And he's coming back. And Burrow has been that. He's always in the game. I agree. I mean, you know, and, and the fact is that Burrow lived up to being the first pick of the draft. Lived up to the hype. Lived up to it. Yeah. Totally. I mean, because, I mean, I sat and watched it. I mean, my wife went to LSU. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't buy other players' jerseys. No, I, I but mean. But I bought a Joe Burr jersey, uh-huh. and I bought a uh, Patrick Mahomes jersey. Well. I do not buy. out. Other, other than the Cowboys, I do not buy other players' jerseys. He, he, well, I'll say this. Burrow, when he came out, and. I was saying it because, you know, we were LSU, we're LSU fans. Sure. And my wife went there, so we root for LSU. And just the skill set, I thought, man, if he can do that in the NFL, he's going to be unstoppable. But I always had reserve of saying, you know, he's probably not going to get away can with it. Can not do that in the NFL? Yeah. And I just – But he when is. he came out and, he, you know, he got hurt his first year, and it's like, well, okay, he's, he's probably going – but then but he man, came out when, that second year, when he flat. when he comes up to his offense coordinator and he says, "If you draft my number one wide yeah. receiver, we're gonna light it up," yeah. and they and, do it, yeah. they do it, and then they do light it up. No, and, and they, you know, I mean, I mean, those two have a connection that is special. Well, they, I, I think, mean, he'll I think he'll just chunk the best it. Receiving core in the he'll league. chunk it, and Chase will get it. Yeah, I, well, him, T. Higgins, I, I and. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I think they got the best receiving yeah. core in the league, and they have a good tight end. And yeah, and they they you know they find a tight end. But and, uh, Eifert still play there? Uh, well, Hurst was playing there last year. Eifert, I think, got hurt last okay. year. Okay, but either way, I mean, like I said, if they find an offensive line that'll block for him, he might oh, win a man. Super Bowl or two. He'll win a couple. And I just think he is going to be the nemesis to Mahomes. He's he's the only one that has a chance. You know, well. I mean, anything in the AFC, in the AFC. Yeah, well, I think Allen might still. Get, I don't. You know, I don't. I think Allen's still a rung below them. I think Allen. I just think. I, I think, think like Allen's saying, really Peyton good. Manning and Tom Brady. Mahomes re- is Tom Brady. There. I mean, I'm sorry. Burrow's Tom Brady. Mahomes is Peyton Manning. Yeah. But Peyton Manning didn't play like Peyton. That, Peyton Manning was the more gifted quarterback. Yeah. yeah. But somehow Tom Brady beat him. Every single time, same like it, yeah. And it's starting to look that way when it comes when it comes when it comes to Burrow and Mahomes because Burrow has been kicking Mahomes' ass. Yeah, it's only better for the league. It's only better for the league. It has it has to be. You know, I mean, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's interesting book. I mean, like I said, he's not going to give you any insight on what they did offensively. It doesn't go into X's and yeah. O's that much. Same shit you already know. Yeah, it's but it's interesting, you know, he kinda of, you know you know, you spend three quarters of the book just talking about him learning yeah. how to be a head coach. And I think yeah. that's interesting. Uh didn't know a whole lot about him past what I knew from college and stuff like that as far as that. But you know, but yeah, I mean that that LSU team was, you know, they flat lit it up yeah. in 2019. Hell, I wasn't even going for them. I've ever seen. But when me and you talked, you were like, "Oh yeah, me and Jenny, we're going for them." Yeah. Look at this Joe Burrow kid. Yeah. You know me, I don't, I don't really watch college football. Right. But I started watching. I'm like, man, this Burrow kid is good. Yeah. I'm like, he's well, and real I remember good. When they brought him in, you know, the, the first year they brought him in, and it's like, yeah, I think the guy's got something. 
But I never yeah. thought they were going to win a championship. And all of a sudden, Dude, I'll tell you that this. second year, they just exploded on everybody. Yeah. Nobody I'll tell you had this. an answer for And them. look, that's been his M.O. Yeah. He goes from college and does that. Then he goes to the NFL yeah. and he does it. Yeah. The Bengals were nobodies. Yeah. Until him and Chase got together, the Bengals sucked. Yeah. Now they're over here whooping people. And they're considered some of the top teams in the NFL. Yeah. And I told Sam, here, here is the, uh, I call this the Burrow effect. Yeah. He's got my whole family rooting for him. Yeah. You know, he's sitting here and he's, I mean, he's he comes in and granted they only watch in the playoffs. Yeah. But he comes in and my wife's rooting for him. My kids are rooting. They're walk. I mean, they don't care. They come walking through. How's Burrow doing? I'm like, well, he's winning. Okay, you yeah. know. But my wife's sitting here, you know, every touchdown clapping and stuff. It's like, dude, he's building a fan base. Yeah. He's becoming a superstar. Yeah. You know, Mahomes is already a superstar. Yeah. But he is becoming a superstar. Yeah. No, I, I really think. I really think. Uh, I just don't think we're we're seeing a guy that's going to get there two times. And either. he's going to get better. Yeah. That's think, the scary yeah, thing. He's, he's going to get, get better. better. And like I said, they went out and got Brown, left arguably yep. the best left tackle. And, you know. I'm telling you, it, you give that guy time. He is yeah, going to be the best quarterback I, I, I in the league. I mean, they can – and they can get away <laughs> with, you know, their offense. If that offense gets that kind of time – and they have those three receivers. It's over. And, you know, and I know they said they're not taking Elliott, but either way. Even if they did. Even if they did or whatever, you know, they're doing running back by committee with P. Ryan and uh, the other kid. Uh, Which P. Ryan ain't no punk. No. That I mean, dude that, was you know, awesome it, in, high, it in college. And they're, they're just only going to get better. I, yeah. I just don't see them falling off, barring a major injury or something like that, but – you know, if I think Burrow, they're, they're if, Burrow if Burrow stays healthy, yeah. they will dominate well, for I think years and years they and years. They're going to have to keep T. Higgins, J- Jamar Chase, and Burrow. Well, That's they damn be... sure have to have Burrow. Damn sure have to have Chase. Yeah. Everybody else is expendable. You know, and and sure when you when the, Jamar Chase the way, went out last year for well, about four or five. The games. way that Burrow and Chase has that connection, yeah. I mean, that is a connection. It is rare to see in the NFL. I mean, I mean, Burrow would just chunk it. I wonder. And I Chase wonder, will get it. I wonder what would happen, and I don't think it would ever happen, if Cincinnati traded for Jefferson and just bring all those same guys Get these back. top dudes in there. They're all LSU oh, guys. Oh, Jefferson's uh, he was the, yeah. Burrow's guy too? Yeah, they were both on the team. Well, he's up on the trading block. Well, I'm, su- I'm surprised they haven't tried. I'm saying, I, I mean, you know – and Edwards Hilaire. I mean, hell. <laughs> Cincinnati. Cincinnati I mean, the, all was. All these LSU players. Here's the only reason why I don't think they do that. Cincinnati was already one of the top offenses yeah. in the league last year. Yeah. So, why? No, I get it. But you I'm know? just saying that, you know. Yeah, I want to see what would happen. Yeah, what would happen, you know, just to LSU see. LSU versus the NFL. <laughs> well, and that was all, you know, that's always been a question people have asked. Could Alabama beat a professional team? Hell no. They get their ass and, whooped. You know, and the reality is, no, they couldn't because they LSU, would, I mean, All right, so that's always been the question. Yeah. Can the national championship team beat the worst team in the NFL? No. No. 
the Browns would kick the living shit out of Alabama. Because yeah, the Browns have all professionals. Yeah. Guys, Alabama, Alabama has, what, 11 top-tier players? Maybe. The Browns have 53 yeah. top-tier right. players. It, the backups of the backups yeah. are better than your starters. Well, all these guys were handpicked to be professional. That's what I'm saying. These dudes would kick the living yeah, shit. Yeah, I know. Out I of hear you. that argument all the time, and it's like, no, no. I hear it too, and it's fun. It is, it's it's fun. Like, it's fun to well, to entertain. But there's not a chance in hell well, these teams just, could beat somebody. It, you look at it. Yeah, there are certain rookies that can come in and make an impact. Just like Parsons. But can 11 of them do it? Because you, know, you need all 11 well, you need on, both, on both yeah, sides. You need on both sides. Caliber. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You need 11 you of them on both sides to come in an NFL caliber uh, yeah. shape, ready to go. Because you get whooped. I mean, the worst team in the league, what? The Texans are the worst, right? Yeah. Texans would mop the floor. Yeah. With the national championship team. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I whoop them. It wouldn't even be close. No, it's it's like Micah Parsons, and it, it still blows my mind. How he came in, he's like, I thought it was going to be fast. It's slow. Well, but what gets me is Penn State didn't know he knew how to pass rush. Neither did the Cowboys. Yeah, no, they, they, yeah, they dumb luck figured that yeah. out, didn't they? Yeah. You remember uh, Dallas Media? Yeah. They dogged that pick. They were like, why would you pick a linebacker? Me and you said it was okay. We were like, hey, we need a linebacker. Remember? We We were like, we now granted best defensive player on the board. Now granted, we had no idea he was what he was. Nobody did. But me and you said he's the best defensive player on the board taken. Yeah. And they the best defensive player in the draft that year. No, no, he wasn't. There were defen- it, no, there were defensive ends, all that shit above him. But at no, the t- I mean as, as far as on, they're saying that had the best, that was considered the best defensive player in the draft. Yes, so and he fell he, to Dallas. Well, yes, so he he was recommended as the best defensive player right. by certain scouts. Yeah, and then defensive ends, yeah. things like that, yeah, all I fell know, and he yeah, fell to Dallas. Quarterbacks went like what, like three went right. Before yes, him or something remember because like we wanted we wanted, a, we wanted we uh, Bailey and we wanted Horn. Yeah, and both of them went. They all they both went, so we got yeah. So uh, Parsons. Parsons was there. And remember, me and you were like, "Well, take Parsons. He he looks like a beast. Yeah, take well, him." I mean, because I remember seeing that on everybody's well, we board. we were watching his highlights, and they said, "Okay." Our highest-rated player is Parsons. And we were yeah. like, well, take him. Take him. Take him. We're like, take the highest-rated player. Yeah. They did. Boy, Dallas media tore that shit up. They wow. were like, this is the dumbest move. Why would you get a linebacker? Same thing we got Zeke. Yeah. And Zeke was an awesome player for at least three to four years. Yeah. No, and they were, like, they were like, oh, this is so stupid, blah, 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 blah. And now listen to him. Well, that's only because we thought he was a linebacker. We didn't know he was going to be rushing the quarterback. Well, that's what. It's like, well, nobody did. They never. They didn't have a clue he could do that. Right. It's like, well, nobody knew he did. You know, it's like you know, it's it's this classic. Even now, even now, what uh, what's that dude's name? R.J. Even now, he's still doubling down because Sean Sean will call him out and he'll be like, hey. 
He's like, you doubted the Parsons tra- or Parsons pick. He's like, yeah, because uh, I didn't know he was going to rush the quarterback. He's like, if I knew he rushed the quarterback, it's like, well, if that's the case, he would have been picked way up in the fucking draft, you idiot. Yeah, no, it's, it's – I, got, you know, and that's why I say the draft – the but they were against the it. Draft. They were against it. Yeah, no. The best way to play the draft is pick the best player available. Yeah, don't be aggressive. Yeah, pick the best player, player that, that falls, falls to, to you. you. Take him. And Take if him. And if, the, if, and if it's your turn to pick and you don't like any of those guys, trade trade back. Yeah. I mean, you're not. The draft is proven. Ninety percent of these guys won't be in the league after yeah, five or years. Or ninety percent of the first round picks. Become nothing. They they suck. Well, like I said, it and, and it's just one of those things where if you're putting so much emphasis in it, yeah. you're gonna live and die by it. Yeah. But the the you know Parcel, I mean Parcells, Belichick shows the best way to draft is in numbers. Get as many draft picks as you can. If some are gonna suck. Yeah. Some's gonna be good. Yeah. So the more you hit. The more picks you have, the more opportunities you got to hit on. All right. Well, uh, we did one episode this week. Pretty damn long. Yeah. So, if you guys like this, leave a couple of these uh, five-star likes on the podcast channel. Let us know what you think. Um, next week, we might start the video podcast, don't you think, Max? Yeah. Just try it out. See what's going on. Maybe, maybe put up what twenty-five minute podcast, something like that. Yeah, something small. Just put it up because uh, we got to gear up for the draft because uh, we're gonna do a live draft to where you guys can all tune in. We'll be watching the draft together. You guys can comment, send in a request of what you think or what you want us to talk about, and we'll comment back to your comments and all that good stuff. So. Uh, Let us know what you think about this long podcast. We're only going to do one. And uh, all right, we'll see you next week.